0: One take. One take, Jake. That's what what they called me.
1: (laughs) Is that what they call you?
2: That's what they call me. Is that what they call you, Jake?
3: Whoa, good old one take, Jake. (laughs) Well, that's good. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) That's Hulk Hogan, but whatever. I don't know what Jake the Snake said.
0: <laughs> Jake? Oh, I have no idea.
3: I don't know. It was, no.
0: That was, was Randy it? Savage, though. Yeah. Brother! A
3: Hulk Hogan, too.
0: What? Yeah, oh, yeah. I guess yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We talked a lot about Hulk Hogan on this show one time when I covered <laughs> Bat Squatch. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Well, oh, bless. Whiskey
1: saved my attitude today.
0: Go you, I, again, like, immediate difference. <laughs> immediately saw the difference. Happy to help. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, friend. When you have a bad day, just yeah. take a fucking shot. It's okay.
1: Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Unless,
0: Shit. you know, <laughs> if you're in recovery, then don't take then a don't shot. Then don't do that. Don't take a shot.
1: Find another way.
0: Yeah. hmm
1: But are we recording?
0: Yeah. Of course. Right. For sure.
3: Why
1: wouldn't we be? Awesome. <laughs> well, welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Welcome. Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Paranormal podcast where we <laughs> talk about all things spooky. Yeah
3: cryptids. Definitely. Aliens. Sometimes. uh, Murder Most Foul. Uh, Almost always. Unsolved Disappearances. Definitely some of those. Dicks. Dicks. It's been a minute, but yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: And who are you guys? And
3: how whiskey saved the day. I'm I'm D. I'm Z.
0: And I'm One Take Jake.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's old One Take Jake on the ones (laughs) and Fuck a duck. Well, shit. Do we have any backhoes? Um, yeah. Hang on. I'm trying to get my life together. And, yeah. Are you blonder? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I was like, I know that my eyes are bad, yeah. but it's not the same. No. Got her all pre-lightened and she's nice. getting toned on oh, Wednesday because, okay. you know, I have
1: a lot of hair and there was no time. That is true. That
3: is true. Okay. Let me. Let me. I...
1: Um. I have, I got a message from our listener, Tara. Oh, yeah who said thank you so much for bringing awareness to mental illness especially postpartum depression in your Patreon episode yeah. so many women struggle with this and often have their issues invalidated by society and awful spouses so
3: thank you that was a rough episode but yeah. we also thought it was very important if you're not a patron well fucking figure it out go do that and go then fucking you can listen it. to it and it was great it was um so i ordered yes The water bottles. So they should be here soon. Guys, guess what? We're making water bottles. And you can buy them eventually when they get here and we finish them. Yes. But yeah, we're, I bought, I want to say 25. Yeah. Mm. So we're going to have a couple different sayings and you'll see them as soon as we make them. But they're going to be super fucking rad. You can fill them with your- uh, Water. Your water, your canned liquid death. Liquid death. water, your liquid death in there. Certainly. Uh,
1: there will be uh, environmentally friendly two choices, and we'll surprise you and let <laughs> you know, when we release them
3: what yep. they are. So we're just doing. There's like I said. There's only going to be 25 at first. We'll see how they go, and mm-hmm. then a million, and then so many water bottles. First, we're going to cause just <laughs> as surf. much of a
0: problem. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, they're reusable. <laughs> yes, they're reusable water bottles. You can
1: take it to gym. You, you can, can take it to gym. Take it to uh, wherever. They're really they're the good
3: ones too. You can or use it
1: for your road soda. They're kind of dr- don't really do that. Uh, no. Don't do that. I'm
0: not telling you what not, to do. When but... you're
3: on vacation and yes. you don't have anywhere to be and you don't have to drive. I'm not telling you to drink and drive. But no. Well, you know.
0: <laughs> if you do, use our products.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you do, absolutely do not do that, please. Um, also, don't do that. It's not fun. I know I will be. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I forgot to bring them today, but yes. I did find some wine glasses that we can also... Merch, Put merge, together mer- merge, and get merge, to you merge, guys merge. soon, just to see how they go. These ones are just a little test, a little test. Don't and
0: drink and drive. Here are alcohol vessels.
3: <laughs> these <laughs> these are actually glass, though. These so are these are fancy the wine glasses. Are actually glass. Uh, are not, we going to etch them? Uh, etch them, no. But the cry cut. Were mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Do the th- you put the words in there like a sticker, but like a vinyl? Fancy that. Oh, vinyl's okay. the word. I couldn't vinyl. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. okay. vinyl's the word. But yeah, so yep. they're gonna be they're gonna be those. And and, it's gonna be great. Uh, we are the shirts are in the works. Yeah. Are they? We got it in our, the works. Okay. I, I got a guy found our fonts. Okay, so I, that's yeah. good. Okay. I tried to do stuff with them on my phone, and my phone said. No, bitch, I'm not for your phone. You have to Mm. go to your computer. And then my computer, being a haunted piece of garbage, was like, (laughs) bet. So, no. It's aight. But we got a guy. They're all coming. Um, Also, uh, somebody posted this in the squad page. Yes. 2022 Celebrity Cruises presents the Goop Cruise. I heard about this An 11 day Mediterranean voyage Goop at sea Why? I don't
1: know but all I hear is like The theme song for Titanic in my head right now (laughs) Celine Dion Is just like the little pipe Fucking (laughs) solo Pam flute Yes I, actually, I don't think going it's the penny whistle.
0: It is a uh, penny whistle.
3: Yes. The penny whistle. I a actually penny whistle solo, penny whistle solo from, from my heart goes heart. Off. when yeah. I was Someone's played cards
0: against humanity. <laughs> That's when, <funny>. yeah.
3: <laughs> when I worked at a spa one time, uh-huh. they had a pan flute rendition of My Heart Will Go On, and it made me want to yeet myself into traffic. Because for some <laughs> okay. reason, and I am not joking when I say this, it was 15 minutes long. Oh, no. Yeah, And it was haunting me, because the first time I heard it was when I was going to Aveda
1: at oh, Beauty yeah. Escuela.
3: Beautiful. And I'm like, Escuela, drop out. But like, didn't drop out. I did out. not. But I was like, please no, please never again. And then I was in the middle of you know, massaging someone's face. And then all of a sudden it started. I'm like, I will turn this steamer onto myself. (laughs) I will melt my own face off so that I don't have to hear this. I will turn this wax all the way up. And just, it's not going to end well. I'm like, but there's nothing I could do because I think I was like, a quarter of the way through the service. I'm just like, no. So I had to listen to that whole song. Yeah. <sighs> it was a nightmare. A nightmare. Um, also. So what do we have? Uh, there was a really funny story posted in response to last week. Oh, I like funny stories. Let's find it. Um, oh, yeah. I did get, I did end up getting dominoes after recording last week. Oh, Good. Um, How was it? Fine. The crust was the best part. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Like, the crust was really good. But
0: And the rest of it is super standard. Just fine. But it doesn't suck like it used to.
3: I don't know. My body the next day was like, you are a hateful bitch. Hey, oh. Bro, you got you
0: got chain pizza. I know. I don't know what to tell you about that. I
3: know. I was like, we can't be surprised about this. Right. But that didn't stop my body from being like, oh. Ejecting it? I hate you. Dude, I
0: still think Pizza Hut's the best. I fucking love Pizza, Pizza, Hut, Pizza Hut,
3: and I haven't
1: had Pizza Hut in many, many years. But I just remember because they used to the way they used to cook it, where the bottom was like super, like crispy, crispy, mm-hmm. and Dude, their, crusty. Their
0: and- crust was basically a French fry. Yes, it was so, so good. so
1: fucking good. Yeah, and it was always they always cooked them in those little pans. Always, mm-hmm. yeah. Those were yeah, yeah. I remember
3: that. Yeah, Did uh, you know
0: that uh, the cheese in commercials is usually Elmer's glue. Oh, and like That's how they get it all stretchy.
3: Yeah. And same with Land. the mashed potatoes in commercials. Uh-huh. It's usually like laundry detergent flakes or some kind of soap. Uh,
0: Pancake syrup is motor oil. Huh. Yeah.
3: I watched that episode of Reading Rainbow, I think it was.
0: Uh, they did, I think they did a Mythbusters on it. Oh, no. I watched it.
3: something about that in like elementary school. Oh, yeah, okay. They had, I think it was Reading Rainbow. Or something like that. Like, some show on PBS okay. did, like, a little segment on that.
0: Food photography? Yeah. Or, fa- like, chain food photography? Yeah. There's a... I saw a video on Instagram somewhere. It was just a photographer who was just doing quick little snippets of shoots. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they use just a bunch of fucking weird just, shit in food photography.
3: Right on. Like, I think, what, like, 90% inedible? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is just for decoration. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so, this yes. is from Amber. Uh, she said, so I'm listening to the most recent episode and I started to lose it at the Chuck E. Cheese conversation, so I thought you ladies would appreciate this. I got into a fist fight at a trampoline park. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I helped take care of my little cousins and they were so good that week that we wanted to spoil them, so we took them to a local trampoline park. Well, one of the little girls loves to be rough and tumble, and one of her favorite things is when I throw her into our pool. So when she saw a foam pit, she started bugging me to throw her in. Of course, I responded that I would love to chuck the baby into a foam pit. As I said that, a woman walked by me and said, What great parenting, and threatened to call CPS on me. First, don't threaten me. And second, she put her hand on the baby to pull her away from me. Oh, no. Big mistake. When I told the girl to come back, and she tried, but the lady tightened her grip, hurting my little one, I saw red. I then proceeded to tell her to unhand her or I would rock her world. Of course she chose the hard route and tried to walk away with my little one. Oh, I grabbed no. her shoulder and Melissa McCarthy throat punched that dizzy bitch so hard she ended up falling in the foam pit. That is uh, This is one of amazing. my
0: favorite people. I know. I've ever heard. She from.
3: ends it she ends it by saying, "Don't touch another person's babies unless you want an angry attack ginger to screw you up so bad your children lose all respect for you." <laughs> Easy to say that we are no longer welcome there. I love you so much, Amber. That is my favorite story of the day. Uh, I love it so much. Would have done the same. Be like, oh, ma'am. Oh, ma'am. Absolutely <laughs> incorrect move on your part.
0: Oh, you wanted, you wanted to get hurt today, didn't oh. you?
3: Oh. Oh, okay. You chose violence today. <laughs> you, didn't, you may not have realized it, but you did. I forget. I
1: have a backhoe. Please, it's not for me. Go but on. It's from the text that we got from T. Oh
3: yeah. So Randall, speaking of trampoline, exactly. That's what reminded and me. I was like, oh yeah, shit. I knew I had something I had to talk about. I know what this is. Remember when you were saying how ball pits? You were surprised there wasn't an outbreak. Oh yeah. Of well, illness. Guess what?
0: Turns out there has, huh?
3: And
1: not only that. Our new listener and patron, Portland Professor, (laughs) was um, part of a group that actually
0: No. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No.
3: I don't have the time. This is my
0: favorite fucking thing in the world. It's a scientific study done on ball pits.
3: Uh Uh Uh-huh.
1: Instrumental in shutting down all the indoor ball pits at McDonald's and Burger Kings across the country. Completed research with friends. We actually had to jump into those public toilets as we secretly swabbed the bottom of the pits and random balls. (laughs) So, yeah, they even stole balls to take back to the lab.
0: That was going to be my question. So you guys obtained the results
1: were astounding.
0: uh, You obtained they were
3: actually published. Yeah,
0: please send the link. Did he send you the link?
3: For the study? Uh, I think we have a screenshot. we got a screenshot. screenshot. Of- I can send it okay. to you. I would yeah.
0: love to see that.
1: But again, we have to be careful because of anonymity. Okay. Um, and Portland professor also said, oh, and I hate yoga. Nothing but a bunch of crop dusting farters. So relaxing. <laughs> it's like a fart feast. No thanks. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fart so, yes. feast. There was actually a study. It got all of them shut down in McDonald's and Burger King's. But apparently, Chuck E. Cheese
0: is. I like, love this person. Right? So much.
3: I know. As you should. So, so, so you were much. right. Yeah.
0: I. There's no way I couldn't have been.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there
1: is fair. There there's is just
0: no way I couldn't fair. have been correct yeah. about that.
1: But again, it's. I mean.
0: But nobody Gross. thought about that shit. Yeah. Nobody well, thought no, about but it. But I mean,
1: it's. Even I mean, they still yeah. ha, they still have them in places. Chuck oh, E. Yeah. Cheese is just you know. That's where you go to like build your child's immune system. Apparently,
0: I think also Chuck E. Cheese is slightly more exclusive than a fast food restaurant.
3: Fair, yeah. So, I feel because you know, not I mean, every McDonald's you pay to get into Chuck E. Cheese have so slightly, yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs>
0: it's it's the difference of like five bucks a head. Like it's not crazy. I know. No,
3: fair. It's like fair, that's fair. that's one thing included. In their job, when you get hired, they're like, you have to maintain the ball pit at McDonald's or Burger King or any fast food place. They're like, eh. Yeah. Eh, no. Yeah. I mean, go out there and get one of those pool skimmers and just stir them around every yeah. once in a while. But aside from that-
0: Cover the top and sanitize or <laughs> right. stir them around. Job's done.
3: We're good. Unless, you know, something's broken. We don't really pay attention to it, right. is my assumption about yeah, yeah. how that goes. So, Yeah
0: dope i'm right? so happy that that came in yep that makes me really happy <laughs>
3: yep
1: yep yep i love that story so much it's a good Oh, it's a good one why
3: so uh you go first today yeah no lies i do you do <laughs> you do i just looked because <sighs> last week i did uh frederick valentich and then you did cindy james right well guys get fucking ready so I'm just gonna
1: preface this by saying that my story is over 20 pages long. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to split it in two. Now, this could have been a Salem witch trial situation where I could have done this in four episodes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down to two. And there was no way I could have made this any shorter than I did. <coughs> So, I'm going to start this one off Mm -hmm. with some song lyrics. Oh. And then you're going to find out real quick. You're going to figure it out. The second I start going, you're going to figure it out. I'm ready. uh, What my story is. And the song is by an artist. Her name is Chloe Black. Okay. And the hook of the song goes like this. Joplin, heroin, cocaine, Cobain, raise my Hendrix to Jimmy. Top shelf, despair, party hard, don't care. No one gets old in this city. Yep. That's right, y'all. It's the 27 Club.
3: There it is. There it
1: is. (laughs) The devil's in my throat, so let's do this. Now, for those of you that may not heard of or know what it is, the 27 Club is, well, it's a club you shouldn't want to join, Some of the most famous names associated with it are Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, and more that I will get to. It includes popular musicians, artists, actors, and athletes who died entirely too young, all at the age of 27. Most often as a result of drug and alcohol abuse, some were more violent means, such as murder, suicide, or car accident, And it was the deaths of several 27-year-old popular popular musicians between 1969 and 1971 that led to the belief that deaths are more common at this age. The club has been written about in countless magazines, novels, movies, plays, art. um, And it has also been the inspiration of many a conspiracy theory, pertaining to the causes of such early deaths and their possible connections. In 2011, the British Medical Journal did a study noting that young adult musicians had a higher death rate than the rest of the young adult population, concluding, Fame may increase the risk of death among musicians, but this risk is not limited to age 27. Four years later, Cobain and Hendrix biographer Charles R. Cross wrote, the number of mu- musicians wow words yep sorry it's a big un. the number of musicians who died at 27 is truly remarkable by any standard although humans die regularly at all the ages there is a st- statistical spike for musicians who die at 27 the 27 club first became a thing in the early 70s but it became more popular in pop culture after the 1994 death of kurt cobain the list is entirely too long. As of now, there are 76 people on that list. Ooh. The first inducted in 1864. Some of them you will have never heard of, and I obviously won't be covering them all. So let's start with the fourth inductee and the master of the blues that may or may not have sold his soul to the devil. Hmm. He is one of the first inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Robert Johnson. So Robert Leroy Johnson was born in Hazlehurst, Mississippi, on or around May 8th, 1911. Same birthday as me. His mother, Julia Dodds, had birthed 10 children ahead of him. Ooh. All of them with her sharecropper husband, Charles. But Robert was born... Out of wedlock ah. by someone else, a plantation worker named Noah Johnson. One of the earliest accounts of Johnson as a musician comes from Delta Blues pioneer Son House, who first encountered Robert around 1930 in Robbinsville, Mississippi. House recalled that Johnson blew a harmonica and he was pretty good with that, but he wanted to play guitar. Johnson's guitar skills, however, according to House, were less than stellar. In fact, House called Johnson's guitar playing such a racket you'd never heard. Get that guitar away from that boy, people would say. <laughs> He's running people crazy with it. Robert would go to the juke joints and watch Sunhouse House play. And then when the band took their breaks, Johnson would literally commandeer the stage to play his own songs, which he was bad the songs were bad, and he was booed often. The music is bad, and you should Should feel feel bad. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, Johnson left Robbinsville and headed for the area around Martinsville, which is close to his birthplace, possibly searching for his bio-father. Well, Johnson returned six months later, and seemed real eager to perform again. And this time, he asked for House's permission instead of just commandeering the stage. Okay. And When he hit that stage, he was good.
2: Hmm. He
1: was too good. Hmm. House said, he was so good. When he finished, all our mouths were standing open. I said, well, ain't that fast. He's gone now. Legend now had it that Johnson made a deal with the devil for the ability to play.
3: I have seen that episode of Futurama. Mm -hmm. Please go on.
1: So the legend goes that Johnson was instructed to take his guitar to a crossroad near Dockery Plantation at midnight, and there he was met by a large black man, the devil, who took the guitar and tuned it. The devil played a few songs, returned the guitar to Johnson, giving him mastery of the instrument in exchange for his soul. Hmm. So Johnson was able to create the blues for which he became famous. Robert Johnson died on August sixteenth, 1938, at the age of 27 near Greenwood, Mississippi, of possibly unknown causes. Hmm. Now, his death was not reported publicly. He just fucking disappeared from the historical record. There was no big thing, and it wasn't until almost 30 years later, when a Mississippi-based musicologist named Gail Dean Wardlow was researching his life, that she found his death certificate. But it only listed the date and location. There was no cause of death. Huh. So, no formal autopsy was done. It was the days of Jim Crow laws, and a black man found dead on the side of the road garnered little effort Mm -hmm. on behalf of a coroner's office. Mm -hmm. Now... Some say it's likely that he had congenital syphilis. Oh no. And it was suspected later by medical professionals that he may have that, that may have been a contributing factor to his death. However, thirty years of local legends and storytelling, like the rest of his life, built a legend which has filled in gaps in the historical records. There are some accounts of the days before his death. Johnson had been playing for a few weeks at a juke joint in a town about 15 miles from Greenwood. Now, according to one story, Johnson was murdered by a jealous husband. Um, In an account by the blues musician Sonny Boy Williamson, Johnson had been flirting with a married woman, and she gave him a bottle of whiskey that had been poisoned with strychnine by her husband. She didn't know it. When Johnson took the bottle, Williamson said he knocked it out of his hand and told him never to drink from a bottle that he had not personally seen opened.
3: Uh fair.
1: Johnson told him, "Don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand." The woman supposedly offered him another bottle, which was also poisoned, and he took it. So Johnson was reported to have started to start to feel sick in the evening hours and had to be helped back to his room. Over the next three days, his condition steadily worsened. Witnesses reported that he died in a convulsive state of severe pain. The musicologist Robert Mac McCormick claimed to have tracked down the man who murdered Johnson and to have obtained a confession from him in a personal interview, but he declined to reveal the man's name. Hmm. The exact location of Robert Johnson's grave is officially unknown. Hmm. There are three different grave sites for him, all oh. with markers. Erected at three different sites Hmm. in church cemeteries all outside of Greenwood. However, it's actually more likely that due to being poor and a man of color that he was most likely buried in a pauper's field near where he died. Mm -hmm. So that is the story of Robert Johnson. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Next, we have the founder and original leader of the Rolling Stones, Brian Jones. Now, if you've ever heard any stories of the escapades of the Rolling Stones, then you know that they are wild. And I mean fucking wild.
3: Bananas.
1: I am fairly certain that Keith Richards died in 1969, and he is oh, yeah. just a walking corpse. He just hasn't he noticed the undead. yet.
3: I feel like he's been too busy partying to realize he died. Right. Well, Brian Jones puts them all to shame.
1: Oh, yikes. <laughs> so, um, Brian's issues... Seemed to stem from his feeling alienated by the band's manager, who pushed for Mick Jagger to be the frontman for the Stones. Jones saw his influence over the band waning, and according to the band's manager, Andrew Luke Oldham, in his book, Stoned, Jones was an outsider from the beginning. When the first tours were arranged in 1963, he traveled separately from the band, stayed at different hotels, and demanded extra pay. Hmm. According to Oldham, Jones was very emotional and felt alienated because he was not a prolific songwriter and his management role had been taken away. So when Brian started the Stones, he also acted as the manager, so he took 5% more. So when the new manager was brought on and was seeing the influence of Lennon McCartney, the sort of Mm -hmm. songwriter with it, yeah, he wanted Jagger and Richards to be the Lennon-McCartney of the Stones, which pushed Brian Jones out. So, he resisted the symbiosis symbiosis demanded by the group lifestyle, and so life was becoming more desperate for him day by day. None of us were looking forward to Brian totally cracking up. Unfortunately, he did. Mm -hmm. He developed a drug and alcohol problem, and his performance in studio became unreliable. In March of 1967... Anita Pallenberg, Jones' girlfriend of two years, left him for Keith Richards, which absolutely did not help the already strained relationship between Brian and Keith. Jones was arrested for drug possession on May tenth, nineteen 1967, shortly after a drug bust at Keith Richards' Sussex home. Authorities found marijuana, cocaine, and methamphetamine in his flat. He confessed to the marijuana use, but said that he did not use hard drugs. That was a lie. (laughs) Weird. Yeah,
0: can hear Mari Povich saying that. That was a lie.
3: Yeah. (laughs) No lies detected. In June
1: 1967, he attended the Monterey Pop Festival, where he introduced Mm. the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Mm -hmm. who were not yet well known in the U.S. Jones was arrested a second time on May 21st, 1968, for possession of weed, which he said had been left by the previous tenants of the flat. But because he was on probation at the time, he faced a long jail sentence if found guilty, which the jury did find him guilty. But the judge had sympathy for Jones, so instead of jailing him, he fined him 50 pounds plus 105 pounds in costs and told him, For goodness sake, don't get into trouble again or it really will be serious. Well, Brian's legal troubles. Truggle, yep. His legal troubles. Brian's legal troubles. That
2: truggles.
3: sounds like an adorable it's really creature. It's cute, yeah. Right? It's like a little, like, like a quokka. Yeah. Just like this, a quokka. It looks like a, they're the cute little bear adjacent creatures that are always smiling. They're oh, okay. very cute. But it, that's what it reminds me mm-hmm. of. A truggle. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian's legal <laughs> troubles, estrangement from his
1: bandmates, substance abuse, and mood swings became too much of an obstacle. And uh, the Rolling Stones wanted to tour the U.S. in 1969, but Brian was not able to get a visa due to his drug convictions. Brian only got worse, and on June 8, 1969, Brian Jones was fired from the band that he had created. Woof. Yeah. To the public, it looked as if Jones had left voluntarily. The other band members told him that although he was being shit-canned, it was his choice on how to break it to the public. Jones released a statement on June 9, 1969, announcing his departure. In his statement, he said, among other things, that I no longer see eye to eye with the others over the discs we are cutting. At around midnight on the night of July 2nd or 3rd, 2nd to 3rd, because it was midnight, Brian Jones was found motionless at the bottom of his swimming pool at his East Sussex farm. <sighs> His girlfriend at the time, Anna Woolen, was convinced that he was alive when he was taken out of the pool, insisting that he still had a pulse. However, by the time the doctors arrived, it was too late, and he was pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. He was 27 years old. Buddy. The coroner's report stated it was a drowning, later clarified as death by misadventure, which we'll come back up in another story, and noted his liver and heart were heavily enlarged by past drug and alcohol abuse. Upon Jones' death, The Who's Pete Townsend wrote a poem titled, A Normal Day for Brian, A Man Who Died Every Day. Jimi Hendrix dedicated a song to him while playing on U.S. television. And Jim Morrison of The Doors published a poem titled, Ode to L.A. While Thinking of Brian Jones, Deceased. Foreshadowing.
0: Right.
1: Jones was reportedly buried 10 feet deep in... Cheltenham Cemetery, to prevent sick fucks from digging him up. Mm -hmm. When asked if he felt guilty about Jones's death, Mick Jagger told Rolling Stone in 1995, No, I don't really. I do feel that I behaved in a very childish way, but we were very young, and in some ways we picked on him. But unfortunately, he made himself a target for it. He was very, very jealous, very difficult, very manipulative. And if you do that in this kind of a group... Of people, you get back as good as you give. hmm To be honest, I wasn't understanding enough about his drug addiction. No one seemed to know much about drug addiction. Things like LSD were all new. No one knew the harm. People thought cocaine was good for you. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That was a thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I put it in everything. <clears throat> Brian Jones was incredibly talented. hmm incredibly talented he, he could play any instrument he was he was brilliant he was a brilliant musician he just wasn't a songwriter mm-hmm. so um now any and all of the all of these stories actually i mean i could do pages and pages on each and every one of them but this isn't a rock and roll history podcast <laughs> so um <laughs> feel free to listen or you know do your own research if you're if you're interested because like i said the stories of the rolling stones themselves are fucking insane just
3: if you any stereotypical rock and roll mm-hmm. scene in a movie or tv show where like trashing the rooms drunk as you balls couldn't even I MTV's mean, their
1: association with the hell's angels and Origin their points, parties right there. and just the drugs and i mean the amount that they were all around. i mean it was sex drugs and rock in, and roll
3: Sane. That's a uh,
1: there of where is a really from, good I podcast think. you can listen to called uh, Disgrace Land. Yes, which I've is about musicians. It. They do several on the Rolling Stones, and I am telling you, just these stories are fucking unreal. The Stones lit. <laughs> so next we have Jimi Hendrix.
3: Oh, Jimi.
1: So I'm assuming that when Jimmy was dedicating a song to Brian Jones after his passing in July of 1969, he didn't think that he would be the next to enter the 27 Club, but he would be. The story surrounding his death is a little sketch. And like some of the 27 Club, there are multiple theories. Back up. There's also a theory that Brian Jones was murdered.
2: Hmm. He,
1: there was a contractor there that was doing work on his farm and he was staying with Brian, they had gotten into an argument over money okay. that uh, day. Oh, I've
0: heard about that, yeah.
1: So, but, you know, according to the coroner's report, drunken high, dove into a pool, drowned.
0: Which is real, uh, real likely. Yeah. It's a yeah. very likely story.
1: A very likely story. So, um, some believe Hendrix disillusioned with the music industry, committed suicide. Others claim he was murdered by his manager, Michael Jeffrey, for a life insurance policy that Jeffrey took out on him, by the way. Red flag. Which was worth $2 million. Oh my. Fucking red flag. Shortly before he died. So many red flags happening Uh in my face right now. Yeah. Hendrix was born James Marshall Hendrix on November 27th, 1942 in Seattle, Washington. He got his first guitar at 11 and he joined his first band by age 13. Jimmy would become one of the most influential guitarists of the 60s. His rock and roll Hall of Fame biography says he was arguably the greatest instrumentalist in the history of rock music. In 1961, Jimmy left home to enlist in the U.S. Army. And in November 1962, earned his Screaming Eagles patch for the paratroop division. While stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, he formed a band called the King Casuals. After being discharged due to an injury during a parachute jump, Jimmy began working as a session guitarist under the name Jimmy James. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Throughout the latter half of 65 and into the first part of 1966, Jimmy played several small venues in New York's Greenwich Village, which is where he met the Animals bassist Chaz Chandler. Chandler was impressed with Jimmy's playing and returned to New York in September of 1966 to sign Jimmy to an agreement that would have him move to London and form a new band. The rest, legit history. Mm -hmm. In 1969, Hendrix stood trial in Toronto, Canada for heroin and hash possession, but was never convicted. While he admitted to using LSD, marijuana, hashish, and cocaine, he firmly denied heroin use. During the week before his death, He was dealing with two pending lawsuits, one paternity case, and a recording contract dispute that was due to be heard by a U.K. high court the following week. He was also wanting to part ways with his manager, Michael Jeffrey. Mm.
2: In September
1: 1970, Jimmy was in London, and he was fucking exhausted. Not only was he overworked and stressed, but he was having trouble sleeping and had a nasty flu. September 17th, Jimmy and his girlfriend, Monica Danneman had spent the day out and about in London, meeting at a friend's flat around 5.30. Sometime around 10, Monica, apparently feeling left out of the conversation and jealous of the attention Jimmy was getting from female friends, she became visibly upset and stormed out in a jealous rage. Jimmy followed her, and about 30 minutes later, he came back and apologized for her outburst and then left with Monica at 10.40 p.m. The couple headed to Monica's Notting Hill apartment. At one point in the evening, Jimmy made a phone call to his lawyer, Henry Steingarten, asking him to find a way out of his contract with Mike Jeffrey. Monica made dinner, they shared a bottle of red wine, and then Jimmy took a bath where he wrote a poem called The Story of Life. At approximately 1.45 a.m. on Friday, September 18th, Monica drove Jimmy to a party hosted by one of his business associates named Pete Cameron, where she dropped him off. I don't know why she went in. From what I can tell, their relationship sounded kind of, eh. yeah, uh, yeah. So she was his girlfriend, but also he had asked his ex-girlfriend to come to his hotel Earlier that night, which she didn't, but she later said that she really regretted because then he died. Yeah. Uh, but, she, but Monica sounds like a, a little jealous. A bit. <laughs> I, I I'm wondering if the term girlfriend is kind of loose. Anywho, maybe. So yeah. Maybe. So he goes to this party. She's not allowed in, right? Oh. So she drops him off. Um. According to Cameron, Jimmy complained to him about his business drama, hung out, ate food, and took at least one amphetamine tablet called a Black Bomber. 30 minutes after dropping Jimmy off, Monica came back and rang the bell to Cameron's flat, to which a female friend answered and told her to come back later. Well, a pissed off Monica came back 15 minutes later and was told to kick rocks by the same ladies. Except now, these ladies are having an argument out the window. Monica's down on the street. People are yelling out for Monica to leave. According to guests at the party, Hendricks had gotten kind of annoyed because Monica wouldn't leave him alone. So he gave in, went down, and talked to her, and then they left at around 3 a.m. When they got back to Monica's apartment, she said she made them tuna sandwiches and at around 4 a.m., Jimmy said he couldn't sleep and he asked if he could take some of her sleeping pills to which she refused. But by the time 6 a.m. rolled around, she took one herself, saying that she left Jimmy still awake. Monica claimed that when she woke up between 10 and 10.20, Jimmy was sound asleep next to her and totally fine. Now, she said that she left the apartment to buy some cigarettes. And when she got back at around 11 a.m., she said she found him in bed breathing, but was unconscious and unresponsive. She phoned for an ambulance at 11.18 a.m. One arrived at 11.27 a.m. But get this shit. When ambulance crew members Reg Jones and John Sawa arrived at the apartment, the door to the flat was wide open. The gas fireplace was on. Curtains were closed. And the apartment was dark. Mm. They called out several times and received no response. They went into the house and found Jimmy alone in bed. Monica was nowhere to be found. That's questionable. Uh Mm -hmm. She called the ambulance and bounced. Now, according to Reg Jones, well, we had to get the police. We only had Hendrix and an empty flat. So John ran up and radioed and got the aspirator. It was horrific. He was covered in vomit.
3: Oh, no. There was
1: tons of it all over the pillow. Black and brown it was his airway was completely blocked all the way down we felt his pulse showed a light in his eyes but there was no response at all now how do you go from he was in bed breathing although unconscious and responsive so i called an ambulance at 8:18 8, disappears in 11:27
0: dude's just covered in covered, clogged the, with everything's
1: vomit. covered in fucking vomit i mean i guess it's possible not plausible. Right. Anyway. So at 1130 a.m., police officers Ian Smith and Tom Keene responded to a call for police assistance from the ambulance control center. Jones commented, once the police arrived, which seemed like no time at all, we got Hendrix off to the hospital as quick as we could. Jimmy's airway had been fully clogged and completely closed all the way down to his lungs. Oh,
0: God. Good God.
1: It also appeared that he had been dead for some time. So, Hendrix was transported to St. Mary Abbott's Hospital in Kensington, where attempts to save his life failed. Uh, according to Dr. Martin Seifert, he was cold and he was blue Ooh. on admission. He was obviously dead; he had no pulse. Hendrix was pronounced dead at twelve forty-five a.m. The autopsy concluded Jimi Hendrix's death—that must have been p.m.—was caused by <laughs> asphyxiation on his own vomit. Now for the theories. So, Monica thought that the poem Jimmy wrote in the bath the night before was a suicide note. And he had told her, I want you to keep this. I don't want you to forget anything that is written. It's a story about you and me. She also later said that nine of her Vesperex pills were missing, which would have been 18 times the recommended dose. Ooh. Jesus. So, Michael Jeffrey, his manager... Um, That he was wanting to part ways with flat out disagreed. According to him, Jimmy was a very unique individual. I've been going through a whole stack of papers, poems, and songs that Jimmy had written, and I could show you 20 of them that could be interpreted as a suicide note. Then in 2009, James Tappy Wright wrote a memoir of his days as a Hendrix. Good old taps. A memoir of his days as a Hendrix Roadie, and he dropped a fucking bomb. He claimed that Jimmy was not only murdered, but he was killed by Michael Jeffrey himself. And that Jeffrey had actually even admitted to it. Supposedly, Jeffrey said, I had to do it, Tappy. You understand, don't you? I had to do it. You know damn well what I'm talking about. I was in London the night of Jimmy's death, and together with some old friends, we went round to Monica's hotel, got a handful of pills, stuffed them into his mouth, then poured a few bottles of red wine deep into his windpipe. I had to do it. Jimmy was worth much more to me dead than alive. That son of a bitch was going to leave me. If I lost him, I'd lose everything.
0: Man, turns out if you weren't such a shitty manager that uh, he would have been worth God knows how much today. Right.
1: Well, now, Tappy's memoir could all be bullshit to sell a book. Yeah. But Michael Jeffrey did take out a two million dollar life insurance policy out on Jimmy before he died. Suspect and highly, highly questionable. questionable. Now to throw a little more mystery at you, John Bannister, the surgeon who tended to Hendrix the hospital, said that Jimmy's death cause was actually drowning in red wine. Hmm. Really. Despite there being extremely little alcohol in his blood, he said, I recall vividly the very large amounts of red wine that oozed from his stomach and his lungs. And in my opinion, there was no question that Jimi Hendrix had drowned. If not at home, then on the way to the hospital. Then there's Monica, whose stories do not add up. They truly do not. Her initial statement was that he was fine when she got up. Right? Okay. Not possible, madam. At approximately 4 p.m. on September 18th, Danman told police, Police Sergeant John Shaw, we went to sleep at 7 a.m. When I woke up at 11, his face was covered in vomit and he was breathing noisily.
3: Okay, that's not what you first told the police. It is not. You told them that he was just fine. Also, if he's covered and in... And you bounced. If he's covered in vomit and breathing noisily, um, help. right. Yeah, right. Well, and that's the thing is, so
1: she, yeah. So okay, she said she woke at 11. The police were, or the ambulance was called at 11.18. Okay. So her original statement was that he was unresponsive. She called the ambulance and then she dipped. He had to have been covered in vomit already. She flipped the fuck out and dipped. Yeah. Right. So now, That sounds more like it, but then her story literally changed every time she told it. Oh, Christ. Even claiming that Hendrix was alive when placed in the ambulance at approximately 11.30 a.m. and that she rode with him on the way to the hospital.
3: Oh, madam. No, ma'am. You did not. No, ma'am.
1: Nope. So, Jimi Hendrix's body was flown to Seattle, Washington on September 29th, 1970, and after a service at Dunlap Baptist Church on October 1st, he was interred at Greenwood Cemetery in Renton, Washington. In 1992, a private investigation of the death of Jimi Hendrix was uh, put out after several-month inquiry by Scotland Yard. The investigation eventually proved inconclusive. Hmm. In 1993, when Attorney General Sir Nicholas Lyle decided that that proceeding with the investigation would not serve the public, owing in part to the excessive time that had passed since Hendrix's death. Meaning, they find his death suspect and And highly highly fucking questionable. questionable. But too much time has passed. Mm. This is where I'm going to stop. And next week, I'm going to pick up with our next inductee. And if you all know anything about me (laughs) personally as a human being and have ever listened to anything I've ever said on this podcast, then you know that this next one hurts my heart.
0: And I'm guessing that the next one is also... Suspect and highly fucking questionable.
1: Everything from here on out is suspect and highly fucking questionable. Is the
0: last one involved? I'll ask you later.
1: Yep. So that today is my first half
3: of the 27 Club. Excellent. That didn't feel like 11 pages. It really didn't. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So so I'm just going to preemptively say that we add Monica to the birds up club for today
0: oh and yeah
3: just just gonna put a pin in that for later yeah because yeah if you're
0: saying him. that that means your story doesn't have a piece of shit person in it or it does uh, but not quite as bad
3: no 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 not as not as bad
1: not as bad well and in monica's story literally changed up until the day she died oh, I don't always like it was different every time I think that the, the real version is she took a sleeping pill, went the fuck to sleep. He took a bunch of them, went the fuck to sleep. And between the amphetamines, the alcohol, the fact that he had the flu, so many things. Yeah, but the wine not being in his blood. Right. That. Yeah, his blood alcohol level was not high.
3: That, more than anything... It makes me go because
1: mm-hmm.
2: if he'd
3: been drinking that hard, he
1: had a bottle of wine with Monica mm-hmm. at dinner mm-hmm. that was before he went to the
0: party.
3: Yeah, okay. Also,
0: you tend not to find wine oozing out of your lungs,
3: no, you sure don't.
0: That's that or your stomach. I mean, I personally have not uh put a bottle of wine in my lungs before
3: mm-hmm.
0: for science, I might try,
3: right. <laughs> So, I mean I the red birthday. Yeah. That was probably the closest I've ever come to yeah, putting a re- bottle of red wine into my lungs and having an ooze out of my body, but but yeah, they they found it Jimmy's
1: death was suspect enough for it to have a special inquiry that many years later mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, you know what, we could probably do something with this, but at this juncture in time, most of the people involved are dead. Yeah, Monica's dead.
0: Right, his old manager. I'm guessing is dead. So,
1: I mean, you know,
3: unfortunate. That also, that's how it worked out.
0: I think every once in a while of about what music would have been like if Jimmy didn't die.
3: I think about I that have, as well. I
0: have like it's a mixed conclusion because he could have gone the way of whew, just not great. He could, it could have it could have gone not great mm-hmm. in the '80s. '80s. I'm not really pumped to know what '80s Hendrix would have sounded like. Oh.
3: <laughs> oh, I I'm sad. I, maybe, I don't know. I don't I don't know what would have happened, but I'm bummed that we don't get to find I out. I know
0: like I'm kind of bummed out about like Paul McCartney in the 80s. They're Wheels? very different, but
3: I'm mm, there was so oh, damn. Just thinking of like all the collaborations that could have been done. True. Who like Jimi Hendrix and the Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson? Holy balls, oh right? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to no. think about that. I don't want to think about it anymore either. But I feel the same way. God I think,
0: damn it. That would have been so incredible. I'm
3: sorry. <laughs> you started it. You started it. I started it. But yeah, no, yeah. I I have that thought often about Freddie Mercury.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, For sure.
3: Fair. Yeah, fair. It's like, I don't care if he was in his 40s. Mm-hmm. I have still a feeling too soon.
0: Freddie Mercury would have gone the way of like uh, doing composing scores for movies probably He and did, possibly acting a little bit he did, he did a did flash. lot yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, he did opera with Montserrat Caballo mm. uh,
0: dude he would god damn Freddie Mercury dude. movie scores would hurts have been my heart. fucking crazy
1: yeah but you know like I said though I mean each and every one of these people could have a a, a whole oh, yeah. episode oh, yeah. to themselves. Yeah. Their achievements, their everything. But this is not that kind of podcast. So I, I if you are interested, I do encourage you all, go listen to Disgraceland or just read up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there
3: are, I'm sure, countless documentaries. Countless just... documentaries. On the 27 Club alone. Yeah, exactly. Not even individuals. Correct. Also, what was the name of the first guy again? The guitar player? Robert Johnson. Thank you. Mm. Sold his soul to the devil. At the crossroads. Mm-hmm. You know, there really is an episode of Futurama. Yeah. Where that exact thing happens. There's a Yeah. There, really yeah. yeah the he, robot devil. I think took, it's one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. Took off for six months, came back better than everybody. it's like, yeah, okay. He totally could have spent all day, every day practicing, but he doesn't really sound like the kind of guy that would have done that. So <laughs> from yeah. what we know of him.
0: Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Jimmy. I I'm uh I, want, I know who one of them is for sure next week. Oh, yeah. There's another one that I'm pretty sure, but it's not exactly suspect and highly questionable. It's just someone involved is a huge, massive piece of shit asshole who will absolutely be in the fuck you club.
3: Write it down so you can tell me Oh, later. I know who you're talking about. Huh? I know who you're talking yeah.
0: about. And I hate him. No I again. fucking hate him.
3: Tell me later. Oh, it's a him. Never mind. I thought we were talking about someone else. Huh?
0: Oh, okay. All
3: right. Well, we'll talk about it. Huh? Yeah. We'll talk about it. Um, uh, my head is just mad about it. Um, uh, <laughs> hey Dee, remember how we've been trying to stay extra hydrated lately? Uh, yeah I do. Uh, I really hate those single-use plastic bottles, though. Uh,
1: me too. Did you know that plastic isn't profitable to recycle anymore, and it all ends up
3: in landfills in the ocean? And the underworld! That's right. Plastic bottles are now overflowing into the underworld... And getting in the way of demons doing their demon things, which blows super hardcore. It does. But did you know there's a way we can help out? If you're about to tell me that there's an infinitely recyclable aluminum option out there for all of my hydration needs, I'm listening. Exactly.
1: There's a company out there doing serious work to clean up the underworld, and our own called Liquid Death.
3: Liquid Death?! You mean the company whose mission is preserving the demon way of life by bringing hashtag death to plastic and keeping the underworld beautiful for everyone? That's them! Liquid Death also donates 10% of profits from every can sold to
1: nonprofits that help kill plastic pollution, which is a death we can really get behind.
3: Well, where in the hell can I find this glorious canned water? You can find it nationwide at
1: 7 Eleven, Sprouts Farmers Markets, and Whole Foods. Or, for anyone that hates leaving their house. Like me! Yes, just like you, you hermity gremlin. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone that hates leaving their house, you can order your goodies online. Just go to liquiddeath.com and order yourself some demon-saving water. For listeners of Ghosts and Hoes, just apply promo code GHOSTS, G-H-O-S-T-S, at checkout, and you'll receive two
3: bitchin' free koozies on your first 12-pack purchase. What? That's incredible. Just so I'm clear, go to liquiddeath.com and enter promo code GHOSTS for a free two-pack of koozies. Bitchin' koozies. Right. Bitchin' koozies. With your first 12-pack purchase. Yep. Help save Earth and demons. We got em. And murder your thirst today. So, a completely different direction. Oh, and I will go all now. my sources next week. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
2: Okay.
3: yeah. I totally you there's... <gasps> I would venture to guess that there will be like an entire page on its own. Yeah. Close, yeah. So, completely different direction from now. From that story. And I don't know about everyone else but paranormal shit has been popping off at my house lately. Oh boy. Like, the light in my living room turns on and off by itself all the time. So that's nothing new or concerning. However, I went to put some dishes away the other day, you know, just taking them out of the fucking dishwasher, putting them back in the cupboard. And one of my plates was randomly cracked into pieces. Uh, It was near, like, the middle of the stack of plates, and it was just
1: one.
3: one random plate completely cracked in pieces, which is very weird. I've dropped, those plates are older than I am. Uh, and I've dropped many of them many times, and they've never shattered before. Rando. So I was like, okay, well, that's, that's weird. There could be an explanation for that, but that's a little odd. But then, there was the other morning. I was awake, but I just didn't want to open my eyes yet. You know, you just lay in bed with your eyes closed and pretend that you're still sleeping, Mm -hmm. even though you're fully awake and just dreading getting out of bed. So I was just doing that, resting my peepers and whatnot. And then I heard Hawkeye whine at me, three quick little pitiful sounds, because he does it every fucking morning, to let me know he either has to go outside to go potty, or he wants me to open the door so he can go get his ball, and then bring it and into, you and for then an scream and at half. me yeah, yeah, yeah. with the ball in his mouth. Got it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I'm like, no, I don't, it's not time yet. And then I'm like, okay, well, fine, fuck it. And I start. Slowly opening my eyes, and I hear it again. And then I remember my dogs were at daycare. Oh. They're, neither of my dogs were home, and it was coming from right beside my bed. Oh. And I was like, um. Did Radar used to do that? No. Oh, okay. No, he did not. And it oh. sounded exactly like Hawkeye. Okay. Uh, and I was like, huh, huh. okay, I don't love this. And, you know, so that uh, and all of these things coupled with the horrifying dreams that I've been having and the ever-present feeling of somebody watching me has had me a little on edge lately. And this story certainly didn't help because we've both experienced weird shit after watching the same documentary where a viewership warning is placed at the top for this very reason. So yes, y'all. Today, here we go. I'm gonna tell you about Indiana's own Amityville, aka the Demon House and the Ammons family haunting.
1: Oh boy.
3: <laughs>
1: uh,
3: uh, yeah. Uh huh. We'll get. We'll come. We'll circle back to that.
1: Uncomfortable.
3: We will. We will circle back to the fact that you remember we'll come back to it at the end so in november of 2011 latoya ammons her three kids ages 12 9 and 7 and her mother rosa campbell moved into a little rental house at 3860 carolina street in gary indiana things started off normally but less than a month into living in the house things started to get weird Uh, In December, they noticed that the screened-in front porch was teeming with fat, black flies. Grooves. No matter how many times they tried to get rid of them, they just come right back. This is not normal. We killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back, Rosa Campbell said in an interview. And I'm pretty sure this is a large part of the reason why the house on Carolina Street is sometimes referred to as Amityville of Gary, because of all the flies. Mm. Uh, Well, that... And everything else. Uh, LaToya and her mother both reported hearing heavy footsteps coming up the basement stairs late at night. They'd hear the basement door open and shut, but no one was ever there. Uh, the activity would continue even when they'd lock the basement door. They would still hear it open and shut. Gross. Uh One night, Rosa claimed to have woken up and seen the shadowy figure of a man pacing in the living room. So she hopped out of bed to check it out. Uh, but the figure was gone, and all that remained was a set of wet boot prints on the floor. Gross. Like, man's yeah. boot prints. Which, there were no adult men in the home. Two young boys, nine and seven. Not good. No. Um, on, the, uh, on other occasions, the women both heard what sounded like the growling of a dog, even though there wasn't one in the house. Not good.
0: Not Hate super that. cool.
3: No. Not at all. And... um. In the documentary I'll talk about later, there's a clip of Rosa Campbell talking about it. It's very creepy. Um, But of course, out-of-season flies and a mysterious figure were just the beginning. Mm -hmm. On March 10th, LaToya had welcomed a few people into her new home to celebrate the life of a loved one that had just recently died. Uh, So they were up late, just, you know, talking, remembering, having a good time. Uh, early in the evening latoya's 12 year old daughter said that she'd been pulled off of the couch by someone she couldn't see mm. uh later on one of her sons was thrown against the freezer uh the house is really it's not that big um so you can kind of see everything mm-hmm. from the living room uh, yeah,
1: there yeah. was, was a little little
3: bungalowish yeah and a little I, I think it had three bedrooms the living room and then the, a bathroom in the kitchen and then the door to the basement was in the kitchen. Yeah, it's so like,
1: you know, every little old Portland house, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Just really small. From, like, you
3: can 40s. literally look into every other room sitting on a couch in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the boys was thrown into the freezer. Um, around 2 a.m., Latoya went to Rosa's room uh, where her daughter and her daughter's friend were sleeping. So she just went to check on them, only to be greeted by a scene straight out of a horror movie. And she just started screaming for her mother. Grown woman. Uh, Rosa came running into the room and saw that her granddaughter was unconscious and levitating over the bed. Oh, no. Uh, Both Latoya and Rosa were joined in prayer by some of the other people spending the night and eventually the girl came back down to the bed when she woke up she had no recollection of the event and both latoya and rosa reported that everyone that was there that night refused to ever set foot in the house again fair i don't blame them (laughs) i thought what was going on why is this happening rosa shared and as we all know shit's about to get way worse oh yeah it is so much worse uh, following the levitation God, incident- you're
0: only finishing the first page.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this story, oh, yeah. this story is legit it, terrifying. It's, like, chills. Yeah. It's, uh, not, it's not good. No. So, LaToya told her daughter, we need help. We need to talk to someone who knows how to deal with it. Uh, they started calling around to local churches, but were written off by all but one. Um, a representative from one church listened to LaToya and her mother's accounts of what had happened, and they confirmed that there were definitely um, spirit activity.
2: Come on, satanic tunnel. Spirit activity
3: <laughs> taking place. Uh, then they went on to tell the scared women to clean the house with ammonia and bleach,
2: oh. which is not
3: the best combination. And I hope you didn't tell them to put it together, because that's a horrible idea. But they're just like, just give it a real good cleaning and draw the sign of the cross on all of the doors and windows in oil. And they also recommended uh, that they put the sign of the cross in oil on everybody's foreheads.
0: So the women
3: went home and followed the church's instructions and Latoya went so far as to cover the kids' hands and feet in olive oil and also made the crosses on their foreheads okay uh latoya also contacted two self-proclaimed clairvoyants who told her that her house was infested by more than 200 demons and they needed to move out immediately okay well that's uh, that's uh, excessive uh, right that's a lot <laughs>
0: i feel like, that's I, like
3: a, it's like a demon apartment complex i
0: like from from what i've heard from you guys and then collectively watched in horror movies i feel like One demon's enough.
3: One is a plenty. To do
0: the things. One one demon's a (laughs) plenty. One demon's a plenty.
3: One is enough. I Um, just think that's our, there it is. One (laughs) one demon's a plenty. (laughs) Yep. Into it. Title. I love it. There. Um, (laughs) So, unfortunately, as a single mom with a very tight budget, moving was out of the question. Right. Right. Also, I'd like to know who this alleged clairvoyant was, because I just want to have a nice little chat. 200, huh? <laughs> just, uh, just a, little, a nice two
0: hundred
3: chit-chat. 200 uh, Yeah, um, Sir and or ma'am. You cannot tell a scared woman with young children that there are 200 demons in her house the first time you speak to them. Well, that's like every time I see the dead files, she's always like,
1: so you need to move. Immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. She does it every time. Like What's her name? Amy, 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 Amy Allen. Amy, Amy Allen.
0: I love so much. That <laughs> it's like <laughs> I feel like these people are hired by shitty land, like landlords right? to get right. tenants out that they don't want. Like, right? You I get need these to people's move. Houses are,
1: I have seen
3: her or on multiple occasions multiple. say, "You gotta move. You gotta move." Or, "Can you, can you move? Is moving an option for you?" <laughs> or there, or she's like, "Okay, well, if you can't move, your option is to find a." Nordic shaman (laughs) (laughs) who was born on a Thursday afternoon at exactly 11.13 a.m. You need a Nordic shaman, a gay rabbi, and a Catholic priest. Exactly. (laughs) That just (laughs) sounds like
0: a great Friday.
3: The Catholic priest has to be named James. (laughs) Right. And it's like, Oh, ma'am. So, right? yeah. You know, just a little a little it's conversation. <laughs>
1: it's always so insanely specific. The rabbi
0: Very. needs to cross the threshold with his right foot.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes, she and she gets or it'll that. It'll make specific. the it'll make the demons way worse, <laughs> yeah. right? You'll get
0: 500 should more demons. Should you come
3: in with your left foot first? Demons forever. Like they're there's going nothing be you do. She does this all the time. She does. She's like, "So, I have... they could potentially kill you. You should move." And they're like, Oh, we can't. We spend <laughs> all of our money buying this house. Exactly. Um, okay, then you need the <laughs> a Nordic shaman born on a Thursday. A, here's a, a weird
0: gay rabbi that
1: enters the home with his right foot first, not his left, his right foot, or you're fucked.
0: And he needs to be half circumcised. Half <laughs> Circumcised. <laughs>
3: He's got a Catholic a- priest named James, and it's like Do the it. it's like the letter that Sandra Bullock writes in Practical Magic, hoping to not find yes the love. love. She's like his, have- fa- <laughs> his favorite shape has to be a star. His <laughs> right? eyes have to be two different colors. Right? like he can ride a horse backwards. Right? It's that. It's exactly that, but so much worse. Oh
2: God! So, bless it.
3: You know, 200, 200 demons, 200 demons moving, not an option. So Latoya took the clairvoyance secondary advice and set up a little altar in the basement uh, where they prayed Psalm 91 every night. Like they set up like a little church sheet on the table with a candle. And I think they had like some religious figurines. Uh, Psalm, Amy Allen's second choice got it. Second choice. Amy <laughs> Allen's like fourth choice. Let's be clear. Fifth. <laughs> so Fuck Psalm ninety one. Uh, you will not fear the terror of night, nor uh, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Which is you know okay. That's a good one. That's oh, a really that's good a lovely little prayer to you know protection. Sure. I like yeah. it. Uh, she also burned sage and apparently sulfur. No. Huh. That feels like a bad call. Well, I mean, I if you if yeah. you don't if you don't know what you're doing, it's a bad call. Yeah. If someone that tells you there's 200 demons in your house, they're like, burn this. You're gonna do it, but mm, there's gonna be some crossed wires, and I don't feel safe about that. Um. So starting on the main floor, she was burning her sage and working her way to the basement, making the sign of the cross with the smoke and reciting Psalm 91 was another thing she did. Uh, For the next few days, everything was quiet and back to normal, but only for those three days because the activity started up again and it returned with a vengeance. Right, right. So after a calm 72 hours, LaToya and her three kids began showing signs of being possessed. Rosa, who claimed that she was unaffected because she was born protected, shared that the kids' eyes would bulge, their smiles were, quote unquote, evil, mm. oh God. and they'd speak with unnaturally deep voices. So when Fun. she says their smiles were evil, um, from what I was reading it was kind of like the Black Hole Sun video where their smiles just looked unnaturally stretchy and way too big. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Also like how Andy Samberg's mouth is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that. (laughs) (laughs) So they just like, cool, 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 cool beans. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, so just scary, way too stretchy smiles deep voices that were definitely not theirs. Uh, The baby of the family, who was seven at the time, would sit in a closet and speak to an unseen entity. His eyes would roll back in his head, and he would growl.
0: Yeah. I am into this.
3: Uh, The nine-year-old was constantly talking about what it felt like to get killed, and the 12-year-old claims to have heard a disembodied voice tell her that her family was going to be taken away, and that she wouldn't live past the next 20 minutes.
0: God damn.
3: Uh, Latoya would share that she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm while possessed. She said that she wasn't in control of her own body, which would shake forcefully during the possession. And she said, you can tell it's different, something supernatural. Uh, There were also physical attacks on the family. The youngest boy was thrown out of the bathroom. A large and heavy headboard hit the daughter in the head, resulting in a gash that needed stitches. Yeesh. Uh, She would go on to tell mental health professionals that sometimes it felt like she was being held down and choked with such force that she couldn't move or speak. Um, The attacks got so bad that the family would occasionally spend the night in a hotel. Uh, At the end of her rope, LaToya reached out to Dr. Jeffrey Onyeku, the family physician, uh, in April of 2012, and told him what had been going on. His initial thought was that her claims were quote-unquote bizarre but he scheduled an appointment to meet with the family anyway. Um, 20 years, and I've never heard anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room, uh, Dr. Onyekwu Kwu said, about the day of the appointment. In his note, he wrote, Delusions of ghost in home, hallucinations, history of ghost at home, and delusional Again. Wow. Uh, Initially, he believed the whole thing to potentially be... A delusion. (laughs) Uh, To be a delusion, because he's only said it 17 times in his (laughs) notes. Uh, But he thought the whole thing was a potentially abusive and mentally unstable home situation. But that opinion would change quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the DCS report... Both of the Ammons boys started to cuss and growl at the doctor in unnaturally deep voices before the seven-year-old was seemingly thrown across the room with the report corroborating the incident, stating that the young boy was, quote-unquote, lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. Uh, Both of the boys then fainted.
1: This was all in the doctor's office. This is at the doctor's office.
3: Uh, Someone from the office called 911, and a group of very confused police officers and a few ambulances arrived on the scene. Uh, neither boy was regaining consciousness, and in the midst of the chaos, Dr. Onyekwu said everybody was—they couldn't figure out exactly what was happening. So the boys were taken to the hospital, and when they regained consciousness, the nine-year-old was totally back to normal. Nine-year-old boy. His younger brother, however, was not. He began screaming and thrashing about with such force that it allegedly took five grown men to hold him down.
0: Damn. And he's how old?
3: He is seven. Yeah. And this is all... When was this? This was in 2012. Was, yeah, this was recent.
0: Is this that house that yeah. you know exactly yep. which one I'm fucking talking about? It is. Okay. Yep. All right.
3: I will get to that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So at this point, DCS, which is the Department of Child Services, mm-hmm. had been called in to investigate what in the actual fuck was going on with the Ammons family. Uh, was initially suspected by DCS that there may have been some neglect or abuse going on at home sure. and that Latoya may have been suffering from some undiagnosed mental health issues and that the whole thing was a scam, uh, with Latoya encouraging her kids to behave like they were possessed and the kids just going along with it. Sure. However, Latoya was examined and deemed of sound mind by the hospital psychiatrist. Uh, The kids were also checked out, and they showed no physical signs of neglect or abuse. In fact, they were described as, quote-unquote, healthy and robust. Mm -hmm. Valerie Washington, a DCS family case manager, was assigned to the Ammons case and interviewed the family at the hospital. In her official report, she said that while interviewing the seven-year-old, his eyes rolled back in his head, he bared his teeth, and growled at her. Jesus. Uh, he then turned on his brother and began choking him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus! The Remember adults, this? yeah, the adults had to intervene and pry his hands off of his brother's neck. Uh, later that evening, Nurse Willie Lee Walker and Valerie Washington took both boys into an exam room to be interviewed uh, with their grandmother in attendance. Uh, the seven-year-old started growling at his brother and said, "It's time to die. I will kill you." Jesus. In the same deep voice as before. As uh, soon as the words were out the older brother started to headbutt his grandmother in the stomach. She grabbed his hands and started praying. Uh, However, it didn't seem to help, and what happened next is fucking terrifying. Now keep in mind, there are three full-ass adults in the room with the boys, and... Everything was written in Valerie's official report to the DCS. Yep.
0: And there are how many medical professionals? Well, they're in a hospital. So many.
3: Many. <laughs> and in the room, there is a registered nurse yeah. and the DCS caseworker. This is, yeah, this and, is one of the... And the that, grandmother. And, the, and the grandmother. Yeah, but medical professionals this. in the room, essentially two. Yeah. Um, so, with that said, Rosa... While she was holding her nine-year-old grandson's hands and praying, uh, he broke out into what was recorded as a weird grin—so the scary black hole son yep. smile—and he started walking backwards towards the wall. We all know how walls work, so <laughs> <laughs> like we all we all get it. If you back into it, you're going to stop. Uh, so imagine everyone's abject horror when the boy keeps walking backwards up the fucking wall towards the ceiling, all while never letting go of his grandma's hand. Jesus Christ. So, in a statement to the Star, it's the Indiana paper, uh, Nurse Willie Lee Walker said, he walked up the wall, flipped over her, Rosa, and stood there. There's no way he could have done that. Police later questioned Valerie about the incident and asked her if the boy had perhaps run up the wall. Since most kids can parkour and perform crazy gymnastic feats without any kind of formal training, sure they can. Just, I've seen kids do some weird, like, do weird shit. I'm like, how did you fucking backflip? Did you, how did, what? But, and they're just like, I don't know, and just keep fucking playing. I'm like, I don't understand children and their bodies. It's just
1: weird. But they can't walk up walls backwards. They cannot.
3: So, um, kids, her statement in the official police report made it crystal clear that that wasn't the case. And that the boy, and this is a quote, had glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling. She says glided, and all I can think of is that he skittered up the wall, and I fucking hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much that my nip noops have called it quits. They've left my body and I hope they're happy wherever they are now. Because they are like, no, ab- fucking absolutely not. We're done. We're out. Bye. Send me a postcard, nip noops, I miss you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know. Oh, God. So anyway, nip noops aside. Once it had happened, Valerie ran from the room. Like, she saw it happen. She was like, fuck this. No
1: shit she Which, ran from the room.
3: Ma'am. Yeah. Fair. Man, had there been a wall in my way, again, with a Z-shaped hole in the fucking wall. Yep. But thankfully, she had a door. So, she was just like, nope. Um, uh, when... They asked her what the nurse did next, and she said he ran out of the room with me. We didn't know what was going on. That was crazy. I was like, everybody gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, everybody gotta go. Everybody gotta go. I'm like, yeah, uh huh. I agree. Fair. I'd have been right there with you, been like, hard same. Uh uh. Nope. 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 I I'd have noped out of there too. Hard same. Oh yeah. So she went on to say that they reported the incident to a doctor who naturally didn't believe their story. When he went into the room, he asked the boy to walk up the wall again, but the boy had no recollection of that even happening and was obviously unable to repeat it. Nurse Walker told the doctor that there was no way the boy could do it again and that uh, this kid was not himself when he did that. The nurse also went on record saying that he already believed in spirits and demons and that while there was quote unquote some demonic spirit to it, it was his opinion that the boy was suffering from a combination of demonic forces and mental illness. Uh, In the police report, Valerie said she believed that the Ammons family were potentially being afflicted by a, quote-unquote, evil influence. Okay. So, LaToya and the seven-year-old spent the night in the hospital for observation, while Rosa and the two other kids stayed with a relative not far from there. The next day, DCS asked Rosa to bring the kids back to the hospital for more interviews. Uh, And it happened to be the little boy's birthday, so he was eight now. Uh, And everyone reconvened at the hospital for a makeshift birthday party cake singing the things you know birthday stuff uh the celebration ended quickly when valerie told latoya that they were taking over emergency custody of her kids uh, in her report valerie wrote that all of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress. distress sorry A tearful Latoya shared, We'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team and they separated us. On April 20th, the hospital chaplain reached out to local priest, uh, Reverend Michael Maginot of St. Stephen Martyr Parish. He told Father Maginot what had happened with the Ammons family and asked him to perform an exorcism on the nine-year-old boy. Uh, Father Maginot agreed to meet with the family on a Sunday after Mass, uh, and it was just a few days away. So on April 22nd, he went to the house on Carolina Street to get some, oh, excuse me, sneezing and my eyes watering. Snarfling. Snarfling over here. Um, So he went to the house to get some preliminary questions out of the way and to make sure that the forces inside of the Ammons home were indeed demonic and not natural causes. Uh, When he arrived, Latoya and Rosa began to tell him everything that had happened in the last five months. While listening to their accounts, Rosa stopped the conversation to point out that the bathroom light had started to flicker on and off. This happened multiple times throughout his interview with the women, and whenever he would get up to go check it out, the activity would stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believed this to be demonic activity, and would later tell the star that he thought, It must be scared of me. Cool. Buddy. agreed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so the flickering lights weren't the only paranormal activity to take place in, further, in front of...
0: You got it. Try again.
3: In front of Father Maginot that day. Uh, the blinds started swaying on their own, even though there was no air current present to cause them to move. Um, he also recalled seeing wet boot prints in the living room that hadn't been there before. When LaToya started complaining about a headache, Father Maginot put his crucifix to her head and she proceeded to convulse. Jesus. After four hours, Father Maginot was convinced that the family was definitely dealing with demonic entities and believed that several ghosts were also haunting the house. Before he left, he blessed the house with holy water and told the women that they needed to leave because the house wasn't safe. This time they listened and ended up moving in with a relative for a while.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, In a 2015 interview with Ursula Bielski, Father Maginot shared that it's not uncommon for priests to bless haunted houses— But up until this day, he'd never actually seen the activity firsthand, saying, I did witness things, and in fact, it was things LaToya and her mother were telling me would happen in the house. And then, when I was there, they happened. I would witness them.
1: I've met Ursula. Chicago Paracon. Yep.
3: Uh, Since his involvement in the Ammons case, he's been fielding constant comparisons to pop culture exorcisms and shares that this case was different. Uh, you normally think it's something you brought on yourself. A Ouija board, some occult thing. But when it was shown that this was something that happened to them, we were baffled. Latoya was never involved in the occult, nev- never dabbled in anything. But I did think something was brought in with the boyfriend. The last time he was there, things had gone up to a level where it almost drove them out of the house. I will come back to him. Okay. Or I will get to him in a minute. So the following week after Father Magino came to visit... LaToya and Rosa went back to the house to meet with Valerie Washington and some accompanying police officers so that they could check out the house and conditions that the kids had been living in. Uh, LaToya refused to go back into the house, so Rosa went inside with Valerie and the officers. Uh, Gary Police Captain Charles Austin was there that day and said that he'd always been a believer in the supernatural, but never in demons. Not until he went into the house. Uh, They checked out the upper floor of the house, which consisted, again, of three bedrooms, a bathroom, kitchen, and the living room. And after that, they went into the basement. The floor down there was mostly concrete, except for a small patch of dirt under the stairs, which was where LaToya had set up her small altar. Uh, They also found salt lining the basement, which LaToya later explained was put there as a way to, quote-unquote, dissuade the demons. (laughs) Okay. That one, yeah. Yep. I'm with you on there. Uh, according to Captain Austin, one of the officer's audio recorders uh, started to malfunction and the low battery light started flashing, even though the officer had just put new batteries in it that day. It happens. It does. Take it from us. You always want to keep a fanny pack of fresh batteries on you at all times. Always. Which also, um, would anybody like a Ghost and Hose themed fanny pack? Because that would be hilarious. Just for your batteries. I bet T would. She certainly would. She's the one that's always wearing the fanny pack with her Justin. Full of batteries. Full of batteries and her Justin Bieber notebook, which is my (laughs) favorite thing in the history of all time. I never question why she has these things in there.
1: We are very serious paranormal investigators.
3: Incredibly. Um, Also, side note, speaking of paranormal merchandise... Our friend Victor sent me a screenshot of Wish today where there was a $7 ghost detector. Oh. I am tempted just to see what it is. It is $7. I'll have to show you the photo because I'm like, I don't quite understand how this is, what is happening here, but it's $7. So I might just buy it and see what happens. Wish has some gems. Truly amazing. Treasures. They're like, hey, do you want this really cool shirt, these awesome socks, or a crack pipe? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what? (laughs) Wish? Do
0: you want this computer?
3: Right? Right? Oh, yeah. It's $10. (laughs) I was just scrolling through Facebook earlier, and- it was a. They're like brand new Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Like, Excuse you. Wish what? Volkswagen Beetles aren't seven
0: hundred dollars.
3: Volkswagen Beetles aren't eleven dollars. What's happening? <laughs> you buy it thinking you're getting a fancy new car, and it's just like a little tiny one. Well, then it. Beep, they beep. don't come in the mail. They either. truly. So there's not that. not that kind of mail. Not that way. No. So anyhow, if you want a fanny pack. Let us know. Maybe we'll make that happen eventually. So, anyway, uh, while investigating the house, officers recorded audio for their reports. And when one of them went to listen to the recording later, he heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey, I've heard it, and it's real fucking creepy. I was going to try and find it, but I did not. Maybe I'll do that for next week. What's Uh, their name again? uh, It's the Ammons Haunting, just like a maybe Ammons Haunting EVP. Uh, So that same officer took photos of the house and discovered two anomalies later on. One was a white mist-like figure hovering in the right-hand corner above the basement stairs, and when they zoomed in on the picture, the mist appeared to have a face. Goo. I hate that. Yeah. After enlarging the photo, they discovered another anomaly, this time a strange green something that had the face of a woman. Goo. Uh, Yeah. So Captain Austin also photographed the house, but used his iPhone and said that he had captured a few inexplicable silhouettes throughout the home. Uh, When he was heading home that day, he claimed that the radio in his patrol car started to malfunction. And that same day, Captain Austin claimed that his garage door at home wouldn't open, even though there were no power outages in the area. Perhaps most alarming is when the seat of his 2005 Infiniti started moving backward and forward by itself while he was driving. Oh.
2: Uh,
3: he took the car to the dealership to get checked out and was told by the mechanic that the motor on the driver's side seat was broken, which could easily have led to an accident. Good. Could it be a coincidence?
2: Probably sure. not.
3: But let's continue.
1: I'm looking at photos right now. Oh, yeah.
3: some of There's one picture, the front of the house, where you can kind of see what looks like a shape yeah. in the yeah. window. Yeah, that's the famous picture. But that is most likely... Um, altered by an app. Sure. So, oh yeah, be discerning when you look at oh, yeah. any ghost photo. But always, yeah, that one is a little too perfect to for me to be like, oh, that's absolutely not real. That's definitely a ghost. Right. Um, so that same month which was April, if we have forgotten, which I would have if I hadn't written it down, Uh, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the Ammons children, uh, which was granted on the grounds that LaToya had neglected their education by keeping them out of school on multiple occasions. Oh, okay. Well, Um, fishing. I mean, they're they're reaching. It was also something that she had been recorded doing in 2009 as Mm, well. Okay. And it wasn't just a day here or there. It was quite a lot of absences um latoya told vanessa that she kept them out of school sometimes because and this is her quote the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep okay all right but i don't think the school board is going to accept that no as an excuse for keeping your children out of school a lot um, the two older kids were temporarily placed in St. Joseph's Carmelite home in East Chicago, while the youngest boy was sent for a psychiatric evaluation at uh, Christian Haven in Wheatfield, Indiana. Stacy Wright, the clinical psychologist that examined the boy, said that he was generally uh, coherent and stable, except when the subject of demons was brought up.
1: Oh, interesting.
3: When demons were discussed, Wright would go on to say that his stories were... Bizarre, fragmented, and illogical, and that his stories changed with each telling before he quickly changed the subject. Uh, Wright didn't believe that the eight year old was suffering from a true psychotic disorder, she said, and wrote in her evaluation that this appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced by other relatives. Uh, Joel Schwartz, the clinical psychologist that evaluated the older two Ammons kids, agreed with Wright. In his findings, he wrote that there appears, or there also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which Ammons's daughter, uh, they've redacted all names, mm-hmm. uh, may have been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that her family was exposed to paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went on to discuss the conversations he'd had with the girl, sharing that she'd gone into trances a couple times at home and that she had often seen shadowy figures in the house. When he spoke with the nine-year-old boy, he was told that doors would slam and stuff started moving around. Mm -hmm. Was what the little boy told him. Uh, The kids weren't the only ones to undergo psychological evaluations. Latoya went through multiple exams herself, uh, with one psychologist recommending further evaluation to determine whether her religiosity may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. Okay. Uh, the psychologist that examined her said that while she seemed guarded, she didn't appear to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Latoya and all three of her kids still believed that they were possessed by demons. Uh, DCS, while commending Latoya's close relationship with her kids, decided to keep the children from returning immediately and instead set up some goals for the family to work on. Uh, Latoya was allowed supervised visits with the kids, uh, where DCS expected her to start using uh, alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession. Uh, Before her kids could be returned to her, she was ordered to find a job and a new place to live, (laughs) and they, they said in their report, due to the paranormal activity at the Carolina Street House. So, LaToya and her mother moved to Indianapolis around that time, but they continued to commute to Gary for visitations, court appearances, and eventually exorcisms. Uh, While she worked on getting her life back on track for the kids, investigations at the house continued. Um, On May 10th, LaToya, Rosa, Captain Austin, and two off-duty officers returned to the house. So the off-duty officers were the same ones that had been at the house with Captain Austin the day that they captured the EVP and photo anomalies. It's not like they were just two random dudes that decided to show up. They had already been there and had already been investigating the case. So they were joined eventually by Father Maginot, two additional Lake County police officers, a police dog, and DCS family case manager Samantha Illick who was replacing Valerie Washington, who refused to return to the house. And I don't blame her. (laughs) No. So one of the Lake County officers walked the dog around the house, but nothing happened. Uh, They didn't smell anything, didn't sense anything. Uh, Father Maginot had allegedly requested the presence of the canine unit under the suspicion that a body could be buried on the premises.
1: In Uh-huh.
3: He also wanted to take a thorough look under the basement stairs for personal items or pentagrams, etc., as he believed that someone may have intentionally cursed the Ammons family. Okay. Now, this didn't come out of nowhere. All of his... Theories. Theories. Uh, Father Maginot had been visited a handful of times by Latoya's then boyfriend and felt like there was something off about him. Got it. Uh, he was later interviewed by the National Catholic Register, Father Maginot, and shared his thoughts on whether or not the boyfriend may have put a curse on the family. He said, maybe he put a curse on the mother. He had once asked her for an article of underwear as a souvenir. Around that time, LaToya also had a family picture disappear from her album, and a pair of her shoes disappeared. Personal items are often used in curses against a person. Uh, LaToya received an angry phone call from a woman who said she was the boyfriend's wife. LaToya said she never knew he was married and was going to break up with him anyway. The lady warned her that she was going to be very sorry that she ever had anything to do with him. Okay, straight guys taking underwear, totally normal. Yeah. Um photo okay shoes are you wearing them all sir they're also I, I hold on um so in the interview he did with Ursula Bielski he elaborately elaborated yes he, he elaborated <laughs> he elaborated on the boyfriend curse theory and shared I knew these things had something to do with Latoya's ex-boyfriend. Something struck me strange about him. Whenever I would talk about him, things would happen. And I Hmm. thought, what is the involvement here? Who's involved here? The children? But then when I pressed a crucifix to Latoya's forehead and she began to convulse, I knew it was about her. We felt there must be some sort of curse because there were many things that were strange. The first time the boyfriend moved in with her, he asked for her underwear. She asked what for. He told her was to remember this wonderful moment or some okay. such thing. okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, not it's, it's it, not... it's not... It's the equivalent
1: of, you know, a girlfriend stealing her dude's hoodie. Mm,
2: no. no.
0: No, it's no. not. No. no.
1: <laughs> Look, I mean, I've never had anyone take my underwear, but I mean... Not that you know. Here's of. the thing. Fair.
0: I take an underwear with like, you know, I get it, but to say like to say this something like along that—that's weird.
1: That's well, very to number commemorate. One, it sounds like he's fucking weird. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It like, yeah. sounds like he's 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 a choney sniffer. Yeah, he wants those.
3: Yeah, which yeah. if that's your thing, cool, guys, guys but
1: pay good money for dirty underwear.
0: But like, that's a thing they do, or they take them with like either say fucking nothing or 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 be like, hey, I'm, I would... I'm gonna do this. But to say like, to commemorate this special.
3: Well, that's yeah. just because he's a fucking turd. He's a douche. Yeah, I don't like it. I would rather like, if I were in that situation, yeah. I would just rather you not tell me and just take them. Exactly. I don't, Right. I will probably never know because I have too many pairs so, of underwear also, for one human sniff person. Sniff away, sir.
0: And I feel like if you found them in the future and it was long enough in the future, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I know. Yeah, that tracks. And then if you never find them, it's probably because you guys broke up. In which case, yeah, it's a fucking one pair of underwear. Fuck Yeah. It.
3: But, and it gets, but it, it gets weirder. And
1: here's the other the way. thing too, though. So when his wife was like, you're going to be sorry. Now, if I had told my man, look, you're going to bring me something to hers. Oh yeah. No, don't do that. And you show up with a pair of fucking chonies. Bro. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, What? hair, hair's great. I mean. I don't want her underwear. Oh,
0: because we're thinking like this lady is well, the that's cur- Well, that's what lady. he's saying. Kind, kind of lying. lying. The
1: father's kind of thinking that maybe the personal items were used to send a hex or a curse.
0: Right. Yeah. Which way. I mean. Yeah, underwear seems like a weird choice for that. I mean, weird
3: fucking it choice. Is, it is a weird choice, but it is not uncommon in some practices to use that because it is like like hair it has that person's essence. Yeah. Which just made me feel really <laughs> gross to say as, that. As
0: as noted by your face. Yes.
3: Thank you. I wish you could all have seen that because it was cute. I, it felt it felt cute. It yeah. felt really cute. Yeah. Anyhow There we go. Thanks. So he told her it was remember this wonderful this wonderful moment or some such thing. But also at the time, and she never thought about it until later. She was missing a pair of Air Jordans, expensive shoes she had bought, and it was a big deal. He sold them. She thought one of the kids took them or was wearing them or had messed them up, but they could never find them. Also around the same time, Latoya wanted to have a family picture in the living room, and she was looking through the stack of pictures she had and saw that this photo and photos of the kids and such were missing. She never found where those pictures were. He's creepy. Which is just, it's, even if it's not paranormal, fuck that guy. where'd you find him? Like, if it has nothing to do with ghosts or curses, that guy did something terrible at some point. Mm -hmm. He's a creepy Or he is
0: planning to.
3: (laughs) exactly yeah. He said like dirty bird i don't like that dirty a, bird in any no that's a dude iteration. that is
0: a dude who is in a room somewhere making a mask of something out of something yeah. you know just
3: my kids you're a fucking creeper yeah don't don't take photos of other people's children like don't squirrel away photos of people's Yeah,
0: kids. I feel like if you're doing that, you're making something wearable at your house and I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like
3: it like either. a skin suit? Something. A little skin Something. With those Air skin Jordans? Jordans? I was just gonna <laughs> say the same thing. Now I'm just picturing Ed Gein wearing a skin suit and Air Jordans. Just like... <laughs> Yeah. If you if you can't see me, because 'cause you're listening to this, I was shimmying. <laughs> Dude is yeah, he's got good. nipple belt. Got my Jordans on. <laughs> I got nine volts in a box. Hey! <laughs> I'm Ed Dean
0: Again, great song. Thanks. I love that one.
3: It's, just feeling a little, it's an original feeling a little musical. <laughs> Some, if somebody wants to just cut that part out and turn it into a video, you
0: I'm go not for opposed.
3: It. Please. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now I can't stop shimmying. <laughs> yeah, Continue that guy just sounds like a fucking creep. Yeah, he like he's,
1: he's just a creep. Whatever period. he was
3: doing with all that stuff, was I hate it. As fuck. I hate it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, while the canine, o- canine officer and his human were outside, uh, the officers and Father Maginot went into the basement. Um, Samantha, the replacement DCS case manager, uh-huh. went down with them initially and noticed something dripping from the wall. And, like, someone in a movie immediately touched it. No. Just look at it first Wait, sh- before you touch goopy? it. Dripping from the wall, uh, she claimed it was slippery yet sticky to the touch. Okay. No, thank you. Okay. I don't like it. So everyone eventually congregated over by the stairs, and it was pointed out that the concrete surrounding the random patch of dirt looked like it had been intentionally removed in order to bury something. Mm. Uh, so they started digging The officer dug a hole roughly four feet by three feet, and while they didn't discover a body, they did find some interesting items. Uh, A political shirt pin, the lid to a small pot or pan, candy wrappers, uh, a metal object that looked like maybe it was a weight for like a drapery cord.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, It was pretty
3: heavy. Um, A pink press on fingernail. A pair of boy's socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles. So it was essentially just like the ankle part of a boy's sock. That's weird. Uh-huh. And a white pair of panties. Oh. All buried under the stairs. Uh, They didn't find anything else, so the officer filled the hole back in with dirt, and Father Maginot placed some blessed salt under the stairs. Uh, He would later say that he believed the items that they'd found under the stairs weren't related to the Ammons family, but were probably the cause of the ghosts in the house. Um, Hmm. Interesting. Yes. With everyone back upstairs, Latoya started complaining of severe pain in her head, while Samantha said that her pinky finger hurt. Uh, She said it felt broken and like something was cutting off the circulation. Uh, Her finger turned white, and she eventually steps outside to catch her breath because she started having a panic attack.
1: Okay.
3: And uh, There's a picture of it, of her finger. It looks like um, it looks like the circulation had been cut off. Like, it was completely white, but just the one finger. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Father Maginot started to ask LaToya some questions, and she said that she needed to go outside as well and went and joined Ms. Illick. Like, she was... not into his question She's like nope gotta go
2: yeah
3: um at this point captain austin left saying that he had no desire to be in the house at night now mind you this man had been on the police force for i think 20 some odd years and he had seen some shit but he was not staying at that house once the sun went down he was like fuck all y'all right bye can't say to blame him he's like "Mm -mm, nope no thank you Everyone else continued to poke around and found more of the liquid that Samantha had found earlier in the basement. This time, though, the oily substance had appeared on the blinds in one of the bedrooms. They wiped off the blinds and sealed the room uh, for about 20 minutes to make sure that no one inside the house was responsible for putting it there. When they went back into the bedroom, the mysterious liquid had reappeared. Gross. Um, Father Maginot claimed that this was definitely proof of demonic or paranormal activity. Uh, following the investigation that day, the priest wrote a report of everything that had happened with the Ammons family and sent it to Bishop Dale Melchick with the request for permission to perform an exorcism. Mysterious liquid is just not... I don't... I don't like those words Viscous
0: together. material?
3: I don't like it. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mysterious sticky liquid. Viscous mystery? Viscous mystery. <laughs> ah. Viscary? No. I don't like it. Uh, So according to Father Maginot, the bishop had never granted permission for an exorcism in his 20 plus years as an acting bishop. And this case was no different at first. Uh, When the bishop responded to Maginot, he declined to give him permission for a church sanctioned exorcism and instead told him to contact other priests that had performed minor exorcisms in the past. Uh, Apparently there is a difference. A minor exorcism is a smaller scale deal that doesn't require permission from the church and a regular or major exorcism uh, is more powerful because it has the Catholic Church backing it up. Um, that face is appropriate. But that is, that, is the, that is how it works, I guess. So if you ask as a priest to perform an exorcism... Most likely, you will be told no, but you can still perform a minor version of. I get the, the hierarchy to see if it helps.
0: part of it, but also it's like, well, it, coming from a sales background, I hear, well, you could go get the minor one. You should really get the one that's endorsed by the church because it might work better. Exactly, it's just going to take a lot more time and money.
3: Exactly. Hmm. Um, so you know, he was just like, reach out to some other priests that have done the minor exorcism and see if they'll tell you how to do it. Because that's all the permission you're getting. So, he did. He reached out to talk to these guys in the hopes of someone giving him um, or sharing the steps of the ritual with him. And instead, he was essentially told to hit up ye old googs. Like, the priests he reached out to were like, it's on Google. Google it. So... Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, Is it 2015
3: at this point? Jesus Christ. No, 2012 It's still still. 2012.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Google exists. Look it up.
3: Um, So, undeterred, he went to the house on Carolina Street and performed what he called an intense blessing to rid the house of any negative spirits that were there. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, he met up with the Ammons family, uh, which I'm assuming at this point was just uh, LaToya and Rosa, her mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two of the police officers that had been investigating the house and Samantha Illick to perform the minor exorcism on the family. Following the exorcism, Illick said, we felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck. Gross. Uh, In the month following her time with the Ammons family, Samantha Illick seemed to have a serious run of bad luck. She broke three of her ribs while jet skiing, Mm -hmm. received a third degree burn from a motorcycle, hit a table and broke her hand, and broke her ankle while attempting to run in flip-flops. Coincidence? Possibly. However, her friends weren't taking any chances, and she said that I had friends who wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me. Jokingly, she added, I'm already evil. They try to find something that's not evil and corrupt it. They wouldn't waste their time on me.
0: Also, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, sure, all the injuries. If you run it in flip flops, that is 100%. Oh, that idea. one's definitely going to happen. That's super like, on her. Just
3: don't do that. Don't do don't that. Don't run in
0: flip flops, you but, fucking idiot. Yeah,
3: within, within 30 days of her last visit to the house, all of this shit happened. And she's not the only one that that happened to. Uh, different injuries, but still. same idea. Same idea. Yeah. So after the minor exorcism was over, Father Maginot instructed LaToya to research the names of the demons that had been plaguing her and her family, which there were no specifics at the time. So she kind of just had to look and see if something fit. So she said that when she and a friend tried to look up the names on the Internet, the computer kept shutting down at random times and that she felt lightheaded and sick during the search. Uh, Eventually, she was able to find the names of some of the demons that she believed to be responsible for all of the torment. Uh, In addition to the names of demons that specifically tortured children, she also found the Lord of the Flies himself, Beelzebub. Uh, She also claimed that a number of high-ranking demons had been tasked with antagonizing her family. After that, Father Maginot reached out to the bishop again, who this time gave authorization for a full-on exorcism for Latoya Ammons. Ah, uh, he performed three exorcisms on Latoya, twice in English and once in Latin. Uh, while the two officers that had taken an interest in the case stood by, just in case the father needed help with any, uh, any like restraint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming they'd seen the exorcist, yeah, and were just standing by. She would go on to say that I was hurting all over from the inside out. I'm trying to do my best and be strong. She remembered praying with Maginot during the exorcism. Uh, But having to stop at a certain point because it became too physically painful for her to continue. Mm. While it wasn't a natural pain, she said it felt like something was trying to hurt her and hold on to her and described it as intense as childbirth. Yikes. Yeah, no thank you. Uh, Before the final ritual took place in June, Magno had to leave town for a retreat. An unnamed woman that had assisted him with the first exorcism was tasked with keeping an eye on Latoya until he got back into town. He set up a contingency plan, just in case, and had the woman write down a demon's name. He couldn't recall which one when interviewed later. Uh, And had her put the piece of paper in an envelope, seal it, and surround it with blessed salt. Should anything happen with LaToya while he was gone, his assistant was supposed to burn the envelope. Okay. So, LaToya called the woman, stating that she'd been having terrible nightmares, even though Father Maginot had blessed her new house. Uh, Taking this as a bad sign, the woman burned the envelope, just in case, and saved the ashes, which were to be burned again in a church bonfire at another time. After that, LaToya said she was nightmare-free. Once Maginot returned, the third and final exorcism was performed, and when it was over, LaToya was finally free from the demons. After six months, she was reunited with her kids, and they started life all over again together in Indianapolis. LaToya shared with reporters... When you hear something like this, don't assume it's not real because I've lived it. I know it's real. But the story, of course, does not end there. So, four days after Marissa Kwiatkowski's extensive piece on The Demon House, um, she wrote it for the Indie Star, mm-hmm. uh, was published and paranormal investigator Zach Baggins Mm-hmm. bought the house, sight unseen, for $35,000. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah,
3: 2012, Gary, Indiana.
0: God damn!
3: Agreed. Uh, initially, he was skeptical of the demonic claims and intended to film a documentary about everything that had gone on in the house. Uh, filming and research began shortly after the purchase, uh, but it was far from smooth sailing. The Ammons family wouldn't speak to him, stating that he'd been in the house and they didn't want him to bring any of the dark energy back into their lives. It was also later revealed that they may have been speaking to the Hollywood types about making a movie of their story and didn't want to shortchange themselves out of that opportunity, which was probably why they didn't want to talk to him. Right. Yeah. Ammons family aside... There were multiple incidents of crew members getting fired or quitting in the middle of filming after they'd gone inside the house. Uh, Dr. Barry Taff was brought in and initially thought mold could have played a part in the family believing they were haunted. Yes, severe cases of black mold can cause you to feel sudden bursts of terror for no reason, cause you to see things, etc. But that didn't seem to be the case. Uh, Dr. Taff actually had to go to the hospital during uh, filming because his organs started shutting down out of nowhere. Like, just, he talks about it and it's just like, he's kind of like describing it as dominoes. Just like, one and then another. Uh, he he is fine now, by the way. Or he's at least recovered mm-hmm. since then. Uh, the filming of the documentary was intense for all involved and left lasting marks on everyone. Mentally, emotionally, and in some cases, physically. Uh, after my first viewing of the documentary, I texted our friend Billy Tolley of Ghost Adventures, who was present for a lot of the filming and appears in the documentary. And I've asked him about hundreds of cases so many investigated. Things. When I asked about his thoughts on this whole situation, he told me, I don't even like to think about that place. That's how bad it was. The subject was dropped, and I never brought it up again. Like, he had described it, that it was so bad there, even the mere thought of the place causes activity. Mm. So he's like, I don't want to think about it. Like, that's fair. In 2016, Zach had the house demolished, a choice that didn't go over too well with Father Maginot, who said that the house may be gone, but that energy is still lingering on the grounds. Uh, He was quoted as saying, I think he could have protected a lot more people by owning it, Locking it up so people won't mess around with this. Now, that's, uh, now that it's an open lot, as it mentions in the documentary, people are going to go there doing seances or whatever, and the police have to get called out to chase the people away. Those people are in great danger, and there's no way to really protect them. All you need is curiosity. Curiosity is an invitation so a lot of people are setting themselves up for a very dangerous experience. It's not like you can walk away and it's over with. That was nice. I mean, once something gets attached, you've got to deal with it. They might not know how to deal with it. While the house is no longer standing, Zach did take the basement stairs and some of the dirt uh, back to Vegas with him and has them displayed in his haunted museum. Uh, Tons of museum attendees have reported feeling incredibly strange near the items, with some people even fainting in the room where they're at. I could tell you more, but Demon House is available to stream on Amazon Prime, and you should watch it for yourselves. Just remember the warning, and this is what they show at the very beginning of the movie. Demonologists believe that demons can attach themselves to you through other people, objects, and electronic devices. View at your own risk. And that is the story the Demon House, and the Ammons family haunting. Well,
0: you just read the whole thing through my microphones and into my ears, so I don't <laughs> right. exactly. really It's a good Exactly. Like Sorry,
3: um, everybody. If it's, shit It's, it's weird. interesting. I apologize. The documentary, it's... Yeah. It's... And I didn't... Because I could have gone much into a lot of detail about the documentary, um, but I didn't want to just make a recap of right. it. Right. You know... Because um, it is there for you to watch if you want. Say... If,
1: People like to shit talk ghost adventures. I get it. I see why. Sometimes. But truthfully, the bottom line is they have cornered the market on paranormal investigation television. And they've done it really fucking well. That show was designed to be what it is okay yes you know sometimes they get a little bro and they get a little dramatized but you know a lot of time you got to do what your network tells you to do yeah
3: exactly or you don't have
1: a job or you don't have a job now um i think that they dramatize things but in terms of people accusing them of faking evidence, I don't think they fake things. I think no. that they will dramatize. But in terms of faking, well, no. what
3: reality show doesn't?
1: Right. Um. You know, and I have seen I, plenty of episodes that are kind of fucking boring.
3: And that's why I enjoy the show because that's what investigating is like. Yeah, you don't get incredible. Irrefutable evidence on every single investigation. In fact, it's more likely that you're not going to get in any evidence at all.
0: You guys so, want to go to Gary?
3: Hell yeah! But I mean, yeah, it's sure, just to be great. It's an empty lot now, but fuck yeah, I'm into it. You but, can't
0: tell me that it, that there wouldn't still be some shit there oh, for a absolutely. place that's that haunted. Oh,
3: absolutely, there would be. And initially, like when I heard about this f- the first time, when I was like, "Well, that." Seems suspect and highly Highly questionable questionable because demonic activity is so fucking uncommon and very Mm -hmm. rare. Mm -hmm. But the more I learned about it and like for all of these people to have witnessed these events and being like, I fucking saw what I saw. That kid skittered backwards up a fucking, up a wall. fucking wall I'm like uh, okay that makes me a little more likely to believe and then to have my own experiences and I've never been there I watched the documentary I have to move sorry my sweatshirt was writing and I had to fix it because it was driving me insane um, I watched the documentary and then I can't remember if it was the same night Or the next night. I was in my bed. Watching TV. And my remote was on the bedside table next to me. I was touching nothing. And suddenly the volume. Popped up on the screen. And started turning itself up. Like way high. And I'm like okay. So I grab it. And I figure that the button got stuck maybe. Trying to rationalize it. It didn't. I tried turning it down. I tried turning the TV off. I tried pushing it on mute. The volume on my TV shot All the way up to like 100. And I couldn't turn it off for too long. It felt like an eternity. Right. I was like, oh, I hate this. I hate this. And that, I believe, was the same night either you called me or I called you. Which rarely happens because I hate the telephone. But your garage door kept opening and shutting by itself Mm -hmm. that day. Yeah. It was... Real fucking weird. Weird day. Weird fucking day. So I'm like, okay, I I have watched this, and I have now been lightly affected, and I, I don't like it. I remember watching some of the
1: footage, and some of that footage is actually really fucking scary.
3: Yeah, it is. It's, it's scary. And the thing is, the documentary is a lot they don't spend like they don't show you that much inside the house um because he started filming it and i want to say 2014 it Mm -hmm. didn't come out until i want to say 2018 yeah because there was so much shit happening um behind the scenes that it just and he uh zach said that he didn't leave his room for eight days after he got home. Zach's a little dramatic. Mm. But that one I will, that I'll that one I'll give, I will give him. him because I'll give it to him. They do show at the very end of the documentary um him he's alone in the house. Yes. And it's fucking scary. Yeah, and there's you see some things you hear some things and you see some things, and, it's, and they're
1: not, and they're, no. you know, because the way they do their cameras, there's no cameraman in with them. They just set not, up static yeah. cameras and you just go. Um, yeah. So, yes, Zach is a little dramatic, and I get why, why people like to poo poo it. But at the end of the day, they're really investigating mm-hmm. these places they're going to. Where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, they're not always epically haunted, but there's, you know, sometimes someone's just crazy, truthfully. It's happened. And they unknowingly, willingly invite things in. Mm -hmm.
3: That happens. Drugs. Same thing. But this shit is real. Yeah, and also people that are like oh, they're just screaming in the dark. Yeah, okay, guess what though? It's really dark and would you hear something in pitch black darkness and yeah. you're in a fucking scary place and you know it's haunted and you hear any noise you're gonna fucking yell yeah I've done it yeah Like, you're startled because you're expecting something to happen at any second. And whether it's paranormal or not, it might make you poop your pants a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's just how it works because you're in a dark, scary room. And they're
1: taking people like, no, there's no way people get that much evidence in an investigation. Okay, but you have to understand they film for three days. Yeah,
3: it's not just one night. They
1: film three days and they edit it into a one-hour show. You count commercials.
0: It's 41 minutes.
1: There you go. Yeah. So and sometimes they really don't three get a lot. Three days of
0: filming into forty-two minutes is fucking. They rough. do three
3: days. Yeah, they do yeah. three lockdowns. That's a lot of footage. Mm-hmm. They film every night. They do the interviews, but not counting they're, like yeah. You have to also consider all of the fucking cameras they have, and not yeah. just cameras, but they've got all of the audio. Oh my recording god, that takes go a team.
0: Too. Yeah, that takes so fucking long to go through. So, Jesus yeah. Christ. That's
3: that's Travel Channel, you know. Well, actually, that's Billy's job. It's Billy's job. <laughs> it may it may be someone else's job now, or at least he. Has an assistant. I hope, but, um, but yeah, it's very rare. Do I believe it was demons? I don't know, right? Because again, it's either way, too fair. It's too there's. It's so rare for a real demonic case <laughs> like, like that yes. to be real and not over exaggerated bullshit, horrible, but nasty, malevolent icky something thing or things. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: But there's there's that fine line too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is a demon?
3: In And again, we've said it before. Are we going to talk it's, it's that, biblical terms exactly. or are we going to talk a really right. Do you mean the Judeo-Christian exactly. sense of the term? Like little imps with horns? Right. Or something like just, Right. Exactly. I mean it just really depends on how you look at it. If in the Catholic sense, uh demon could absolutely just be some kind of very unpleasant entity. Right. Uh, but also I don't know. Right. So there you go. Know.
1: Yeah. But yeah. That's so a whole that's know. a whole other that's a whole other a whole other other. Yeah. So uh,
3: sources, real quick. Uh, BBC.com, Amelia Butterly, uh sci fi.com, Caitlin Bush, Ranker, Matthew Lavelle, and then an article by Jacob Shelton. Uh, IndyStar.com uh, Three different articles One by Sarah Barr and Marissa Kwiatkowski uh, And then two separate articles By Marissa Kwiatkowski And the original one that she had written In January of 2014 was my main Source of information because that's where Everybody Got their information from right. when researching That case uh, Ursula Bielski, And then Demon House Documentary Zach Baggins. Jay Wasley, Billy Tolley. Oh yeah, and that's right. Aaron refused to go. Yeah. He was like, Nope. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. And yeah.
1: Aaron Aaron doesn't play when it comes to stuff like that no. because um of
3: personal experience in the past. That ruined his yeah. Yeah. Family. So anyway, um Yeah, that's the fucking that's fucking the demon house. That is the demon house. Well we Hell done yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Thank you. We had
1: another really
2: Two good one. Two very episode strong stories. Yeah. 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 Very
0: strong. Oh,
1: goodness. Yeah. Well, feel free to do a shorty next week because I've got
3: a lot you of work. I yeah. got a long one. got long Noted. <laughs> 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 I know. She sent me a text today. She's like, my episode today is, or my episode, my story today is long. I was like, oh, yeah. So is mine. I think it's like, Nine pages? And she's like, Mine is seventeen. And I'm not done. At the and she's like, I wasn't finished. I was like, Oh, 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 good God. Yeah. She's like, Yeah. Now you know why. Now I know why.
0: Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Do less.
3: (laughs) I need you to In the
0: past (laughs) two months. Do less You have done six weeks on two topics.
1: That yeah. is fair. Yeah. yeah. Calm down. That is fair. Reel it in. <laughs> I, I,
0: You're torturing yourself. I'm not saying your content hasn't been amazing, right? but goddamn lady.
1: I know. I do this to myself. I This much I know. <laughs> I am 1 million percent aware. So I just have to learn how to stop doing this to myself. <laughs> Dial it back. Yes. How do I stop working Treat 40 plus hours a week and you know, living life and doing epic fucking
3: stories? Yeah, you you got to do an opus like that. I Just know, once I, every I, few I, months. I know. I know. Not, I know. Once every once every few. I get it, though. Like I feel like. When if, you get the bug for a certain story, you're like, I'm to Well, I was do like, it. oh, I didn't
1: know what to do. I was like, oh, I'll do this. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, oh, no. Uh-oh, here Oh, it is. no. Like, I
0: saw what you wrote. And then I couldn't stop. I saw what you wrote about. It. I'm like, okay. So, in order to make this, you know, not a nightmare to research, you have to pick, like, two people. And there are 73 on the list?
1: There are 60. No, 76.
0: 76. So you could, as you said, could ha- we could do an entire podcast oh, we could. on it, those guys? It could be
1: like an entire season of a podcast.
3: I did. I feel like it probably is somewhere.
0: You did three and then you have two next week?
3: No. No. No, no, no. <laughs> no. no. Next week I've
1: got one, two, I have four. Okay. I'm going to finish it off with four. So, but these, these they have to, have to. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, absolutely. The yeah. the key players, the the big, the They big are. Guns, they the are. They're the ones on the mural. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going that route. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a mural in Tel Aviv that's absolutely beautiful. I'll talk about it. Yeah. So okay, well, shit, we done done it. We done done Damn. it. I'm gonna go get a glass of wine and dinner go. with my <laughs> flim fam fam. There you go. So because it is much much needed.
3: I'm gonna go. Crack open a fucking liquid death and hydrate myself. <laughs> Get it. I'm
0: gonna make some pasta.
3: Ooh, nice.
0: put some meat in there. Put some yeah. meat
3: in. It. Put I... some meat in
1: it.
0: Gonna,
3: oh yeah.
0: Fuck this pasta. Got
3: the meats. <laughs> oh yeah. Arby's. That's their really unfortunate slogan. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't? Does nobody know that?
0: But no. Yeah, you're the route- only one. <laughs> You're the only one. In the world. I just want you to know, you're the only one that's paid that much attention to Arby's.
3: It happens when I'm driving. Ever. Noriko knows. He and I have had a conversation about Arby's, which is a bizarre thing because we don't speak frequently, but when we did, it was about Arby's. No, he said he wanted to go to Arby's at like 10 o'clock at night, but his girlfriend told him no. But then she said, here's the thing. I she said, it's because it. it's closed. I, I do get it. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you just want real trash food.
3: See, I, I hadn't had Arby's in a very, very, like literally 15, 20 years. And I it was, who was I talking to? I don't remember now. Another comedian. And he brought up Arby's. I'm like, well now I have to go get it. <laughs> and then I tried it and I'm like, oh no. Oh, no, <laughs> this is bad. You made a mistake. I, Mistakes Michael, were made. Michael, yeah. I made, I've made a <laughs> huge mistake. The curly fries, though, those are always good. Oh, yeah, they're great. But because it's curly fries and you can't really go wrong. But the sandwich I got was just so bad.
0: It's sweet for some reason. It's because,
3: well, the one I had, it had like the sweet kind of barbecue adjacent sauce. And I'm like, oh, I hate this horsey sauce, or
1: is that the horseradish sauce? That's the horseradish Horsy, sauce, yeah. which is yeah, fine. I know which one you're but talking I about. But I actually- mean, It's probably like, been over 20 years since I've had yeah, it. Yeah, nothing has changed about.
3: because it's Arby's, and I'm still like, how are you open? You have the grossest food. Is it a, a drug front? I have questions, Arby's.
0: How, does Arby's. how do Arby's and Taco Time both exist in the same universe? Hmm. They're both equally horrible. I don't- I never even had Taco Time.
3: I don't hate Taco Time. I lived on it when I worked in the mall- I don't like crisp bean burrito. Crisp beef is not. We've had this conversation. We have. Okay. That one. That one, though. I mean, it's basically a big taquito, which is fine. But I'm gonna rein y'all both in because I gotta pee and I gotta eat. I'm so sorry. (laughs) She's like, y'all are talking she's like, despite you talking about Arby's, I am hungry.
0: All the things I said a minute ago about having to leave are still a fucking factor in my life.
1: I'm like, yeah, we've done the crispy burritos. We know they are
0: delightful. (laughs) Let's get the fuck out of here. Go to the Best Buy, subscribe, throw shit around. Let's go.
1: Yes. Do that. Y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, yes, share, please. share, share. Do that. Get us out there in the world. We've Promo code ghosts. We've got merch coming. We do. Get and your liquid death. Promo that. code ghosts.
0: Places are opening up, so like we could, might actually start being able to do domestic stuff yeah. soon.
1: We've got water bottles coming in the very near future. Very we've near. They got got should be here. This week. being worked on. So get ready, guys. We're Jump on that this. Patreon. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So, anyway, till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Mwah. Birds, Birds up, up to the Fuck You Club. And today, especially, Fuck You, Monica. You stupid bitch. Fuck. Last name? You. Something very Swedish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck you, you fucking sweet. <laughs>
1: Just that one. My yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Monica. Fuck you.
0: Fucking did Jimmy wrong.
1: Did Jimmy wrong? Shit on your face. Psycho stalker (laughs) girlfriend. Did him wrong. Fuck you, Monica. You gotta go
0: pee.
1: I I really do. Okay. Okay,
0: we're done. Bye.